Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our color show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. So we get things underway on a Friday afternoon. When we talk one week from today, we'll be talking from Union South right after and right, well, rather right in front of Wisconsin and Utah State, which will play at 8 o'clock one week from tonight as the Big Ten season actually gets underway on Thursday of next week with an actual Big Ten game, Indiana and Ohio State. will open the Big Ten season next Thursday night. Wisconsin will play on Friday as they open up against Utah State. there. In fact, there are games this weekend. South Florida and San Jose State will play tomorrow. And then next Thursday night, Tulsa and Oklahoma State and Ohio State-Indiana. There's also a Stanford-Rice game in Sydney, Australia that is uh, tomorrow night as well. But next Thursday night, Ohio State is at Indiana in a Big Ten game in August. Wisconsin will play one of the two games in the nation on Friday night. Washington is at Rutgers, another Big Ten team, and Utah State at Wisconsin. That's a week from now. Uh, The Green Bay Packers will play tomorrow night in Denver, and I think we're going to see some of Aaron Rodgers. So we'll get into a little bit more of that conversation as well. The Brewers and Dodgers will be featured 9-10 first pitch tonight in Los Angeles. We get the impression that Hugh Darvish will go on Sunday but right now, the L.A. Dodgers are listing TBAs both tomorrow and Sunday while the Brewers go with Chase Anderson, Zach Davies, and Jimmy Nelson over the weekend set against the Dodgers, who are 51-14 and at home. And they won again last night. So the Dodgers are now 90-36. and They have 90 wins on August the 25th. By the way, just in case you're keeping track, four months from today is Christmas. Mike Heller in studio. John Audius is here as well. Hey, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? So the Brewers, three back in the National League Central. They are three and a half back in the wild card chase, trailing the Rockies and Arizona, each by four games in the loss column. The Brewers are a game and a half clear of St. Louis. So a very interesting weekend. And by the way, uh, a little quiz forthcoming on the Brewers as they enter into the weekend. Uh, We'll get you that in just a moment. But, John, if you want to, You can go ahead and push stuff, and then we'll start stuff, and things will happen. This is the Big Two at Two. The top two trending sports stories this hour. 
number two. Still waiting for many word from Major League Baseball what penalties might be handed down from the Yankees-Tigers game, which featured a few moments in which the bench is cleared, a moment in which Miguel Cabrera punched a catcher, a moment when Gary Sanchez uh, maybe hit a, a player with a cheap shot. So, Mike, I ask you multiple questions on our number two here. Um, what do you think should happen with Gary Sanchez, who now we see the video of him cheap-shotting a player? Number two, um, is there anything we could do or should do to prevent fighting in baseball? Uh, I don't think so. Not not for the most part. I think that the deterrent are the deterrent, deterrent is fines and suspensions or both. Eight players uh, total. Eight were ejected from the game yesterday. The Tigers' Miguel Cabrera was among those and. Um, you know, I, I thought as I as I watch it, Dylan Betances, who uh, who hit a player in the helmet uh, on a pitch that uh, obviously went up and in, that was uh, James McCann was the hitter, ninety eight mile an hour fastball that hit him on the helmet. That one to me seems to be the most egregious, and you can argue, and Dylan Betances will that he didn't do it on purpose. And you just can't. I, and some people, some baseball people, may argue it's it's always difficult to. Well, not always. Most of the time, it's difficult to determine in, uh, to determine intent. But in this case, uh, Batances is going to say he didn't do it on purpose. The Yankees are going to say he didn't do it on purpose. It sure looks like it was done on purpose, especially considering the moment. The pitch behind Miguel Cabrera is with absolute intent. You know what's silly to me in this is that people who are very smart and really well-respected baseball people, a guy like Joe Girardi, argues that that his guy, Gary Sanchez, gets hit on purpose because he homered, and then he said our guy unintentionally threw, you know, got one too far inside. It wasn't inside. It wasn't inside. Joe Girardi... That ball was outside by the circumference of the earth and an inch. Minus an inch. Because it was thrown behind Miguel Cabrera. So if it's behind him, it's actually outside by the circumference of the earth minus an inch or two. That's uh, not inside. I just got confused, but I think I understand. It's outside. You can't make the argument that they hit your guy on purpose on a running fastball that hits him in the hip. But your guy didn't do it on purpose when he threw up behind him, which is actually in front of him, but all the way around the world in front of him. Hmm. So I, th- this one was, this one got way out. I've never seen that with four retaliations in the same game. They don't play each other again this year. Baseball has a way of never forgetting. So the principles involved here will all remember. And I think of those who are in the mix, Dellen Patances is going to I think he's going to get a, a very strong suspension and I also think that Gary Sanchez deserves a strong suspension and some are going to say well, what do you mean he's the one that got hit if you watch him in the in the real benches clearing brawl Sanchez not only goes into the pile once to throw sucker punches cheap shots he goes into the pile twice to throw cheap shots he's not even in the fight he's on the bench and when he comes out, all of these are all wrapped up or wrapping up. They're, they're on the ground, and he jumps in and throws punches from the outside in. That is the part of it that would bug me the most. I don't know if it will the Major League Baseball discipline 
Do you think office. he gets, I mean, Cabrera should, who will get the most out of this whole ordeal? Will it be Cabrera and then maybe Sanchez? How about, I actually think Dylan Betances is okay. going to get a lot for, uh, but I, I do think that, you know, the, the fight doesn't start if Cabrera doesn't start it. So Cabrera got thrown behind, and then he and Romine started engaging in a war of words, but it is, it is Miguel Cabrera who throws the, two, the two-handed pushback and then delivers punches. They don't land, but the fist is balled up and he's throwing punches, and really Romine is just protecting himself. Austin Romine, who is, interesting, uh, interestingly enough, he's the catcher for the Yankees, but his brother plays for the Tigers. So after that initial brawl, his brother is over making sure I, you would assume, hey, everything all right? What the hell happened kind of a thing. All right, well, we can't talk anymore, but I'll talk to you later. Yeah, I was I was looking at that yesterday, trying to figure out if those two were related. Um, brothers. In, yeah, in which they are. They're brothers. But uh, I don't. it's so weird. So this all starts basically because Gary Sanchez hit a home run. Well, did well, he, maybe. He, okay, so I yeah, mean, there's he, be he a didn't, little he bit didn't more, do anything sure, more. But. He just he's been really hot, and uh, you know when he gets hit by that pitch by Tommy Caney. No, that Tommy Caney threw behind Cabrera. I'm trying to uh, remember who the pitcher is that that hit um, Sanchez. That kind of started the whole deal. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I don't know that he threw at him. Maybe he did. Really, that one's the of the pitches that we're talking about in the game yesterday. The pitch that hits Sanchez is the hardest one to determine intent. So maybe if he hadn't hit a home run and he had just been hit and there was no intent, probably nothing going we'd on. Never ever have heard about it. For but the because rest of he our homered yeah. in the previous at bat and he's been homering a ton, I don't know how many homers he had in the series against the Tigers, but it might have been three. Yeah. Um, because he had homered in the previous at bat. And then he wears one on the hip. I think it's a it's an obvious to the Yankees that he was being thrown at. It looks. I'm fishy, not yeah. so certain it was that he did get thrown at. Greg, I'm not positive of that. Greg tweets in at Mike Heller Show. You can tweet at Heller Sports or at John Audius Radio as well. Gary Sanchez should have to fight the winner of Mayweather McGregor. Yeah, that would be good. You know, the other thing about that, John, <laughs> it's a penalty, is when hitters hit a bunch of home runs. Yeah, pitchers want to move them off the plate. So that's the other part of this that I can't tell you for certain that he was hit with intent. May not have just wanted, he might have just been working him. I yeah. want to work inside on him. I want to get him off the plate. That's not the same as you know what this dude's going to wear one. He's hitting too many home runs. <laughs> How dare you hit home runs off pitchers? So I'm not sure that he was even hit on purpose. Number one. All right, number one in our big two at two. But I do know that Miguel Cabrera was thrown at on purpose. Yeah. All right, so Mike, a tradition unlike any other on Twitter is a Mike Heller at Heller Sports Twitter poll question. By the way, John Heyman says suspensions could come as early as today in that fight. Okay, um, so I want, I, want to I want to interrupt one more time just to get three of them in. I want to know what inspired you to put this poll question up. Entering the 2017 NFL season, who's the best head coach in the NFC? Pete Carroll, Dan Quinn, Mike McCarthy, or Sean Payton? Well, we've had so much off-season conversation about Ted Thompson, and we've had the conversation about have the Packers um, settled? Are they satisfied with mediocrity? Um, you know, we, we usually get the conversation in season about Mike McCarthy 
and he's not a you know he doesn't handle play call situation. Usually somebody's going to gripe. So I just thought what we'd do, John, is we'd establish a base level. Okay, just establish a base level going into this season as to who the best head coach is in the NFC. I wanted to take Mike Tomlin out of the mix. I wanted to take, uh, what's that guy's name? Belichick. Is that his, did I say that Bill right? Bill Belichick. I wanted to take coach. Bill Belichick out of the equation. I wanted to take Tomlin and Andy Reid out of the equation. Okay. I just wanted to look at the NFC. Uh-huh. And I wanted to get a baseline. So I want as many people as possible to weigh in on this as we sit. Now, I left some out. I left your guy out, Mark. Mike. Mark. Mark Zimmer. Marcus Zimmer. Marcus Zimmer. I think his name is Mike Zimmer of Minnesota. I oh, left yeah. out. Um, yeah. I left out. Uh, who's Who's the guy who has a 500 record to coach at Carolina? Uh, Ron Rivera. Everybody right? loves Ron Rivera. He's got about a 500 career record. In fact, I'll I'll tell you exactly what he's got here in a moment. After that, um, 15 and one season too. Yeah. So uh, when when you kind of break it down, you're looking at well, you know, who did you leave out? Well, I did leave out Ron Rivera. That's fine. I don't think he's fifty three and forty two. By the way, in his NFL, I don't think anyone career. would say Ron Rivera is the best coach in the NFC I, anyway. I but. left out John Fox, who is uh, one twenty eight and one twelve in his career. He's the Bears coach. Um, I left out Jason Garrett, who's fifty eight and forty six in his NFL coaching career. I'm um, trying to think. There was, as I went through the list, we only of have four options. Yeah. I, as I went through the list of poten- uh, potentials, I did leave some guys out. That's fine. 62% think it's Mike McCarthy. 26% think it's Pete Carroll. I, I did want to establish this uh, for, and I did leave out Bruce Arians. By the way, Bruce Arians is 50-25 and 25 in his coaching career. That's a 664 winning percentage. 664 winning percentage. Mike McCarthy's is a little under that, 651. He has 114 and 61 in his NFL coaching career, all with the Green Bay Packers. So I get it. Uh, some are going to say, well, where's Bruce Arians? Well, I, you can only put so many guys in there. I wanted to establish a baseline of what people think of Mike McCarthy amongst his peers, those in the NFC, as far as where he stacks up as a head coach. And I get it that there are camps that are four. And against, but at least in the early going of this voting, and I'd like to build up the votes as much as we can, just to get a baseline, that he is, with 61% of our voters, the top coach in the NFC. Hmm. Baseline. Because I think it'll come up again down the road. Know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They lose it against Seattle in the opener, or they lose at Atlanta in week two. Or they lose a game to your Minnesota Vikings. It's a pretty tough. People are going to be going, "Hey, wait, what is it? Mark, Mike, Mark, Mark McCarthy? He's got to be done." That guy. I heard it on the Mark Heller show that he thought McCarthy was the guy, but then they lost to the Seahawks and the Falcons. So, as you notice, I didn't actually weigh in. Well, how about you do that next? Hmm. Maybe and, I will. And can we? Can I tease a, a story too? Ooh, can you? Mike's going to weigh in next with his top coach in the NFC, according to the four options he has on the Twitter poll question. Go vote right there. And um, <clears throat> will the Brewers trade Ryan Braun? Maybe what? not this season, but maybe this summer. What's the market like for Ryan Braun? Well, that's a better question. Hmm. What's the market like for Brian Braun? We'll find that out, and I'll weigh in on the coaching in the NFC with Mike McCarthy. Coming up next on The Mike Heller Show. 
I want to remind you um, now, well, after the fact, how incredibly disappointed I am in you, John Audius. Yeah, I'm disappointed in myself. I just, are we thinking the same yep. thing? How did we think of that at the exact same know. time? You have one thing that you do every week that you got so much great response from. I know. And then you completely drop the flipping ball this week. How did you know that, though? Like, how did you know I was thinking, we, this is weird, people. Mike and I just thought of the exact same thing at probably the exact same time. Disappointed in you. Disappointed in myself. If you don't know what Mike's talking about. The all-request 5 o'clock hour, right? (sighs) On Wednesdays, we do an all-90s Wednesday. it's two days ago. Yeah, it's now Friday. I apologize. You should apologize to every listener individually. (laughs) Get a list. (laughs) Reach out to every one of them directly and individually. There's a lot of Jeffs, because the Jeffs always call the show, so we'll just start with Jeff. I'm sorry, Jeff. Paul, John, Mike. I'm just naming people yeah. I know. Okay. Well, All right. I'm going to tell Siri. I'm going to remind my phone's going to remind me next Wednesday at five. Next Wednesday, yeah. So, the, so they all request five o'clock hour next Wednesday. Will return after a one week hiatus, apparently, because John forgot. He's got one thing to remember. It's a, just one thing to remember every week, and uh, that's it. Just one thing. You don't have to remember anything else. Uh, How about this? Simply forgot about it. Next Wednesday, it's back. It's back. After a week off, it's back. Oh, I think we have some Ian's Pizza delivered. Ian's brought some pizza. Today? Right now. You can go sign up right now and win Ian's Pizza at the Big 920 or the com. I'm thinking our Ian's Pizza bet this week, Mike, should be something with Mayweather McGregor. It's By the way, we have half eggplant pesto. Half buffalo chicken from hmm. Ian's Pizza. Go go eat Ian's Pizza. Do it now. Think about that Ian's Pizza bet, Mayweather McGregor. Uh, I don't know what to make. Yeah, we'll we'll figure something out and get uh, some of that taken care of before it's all said and done. 877-729-1070 is the phone number. Toll free, 877-729-1070. I want to get as many people in on the voting as possible on my Twitter poll question uh, just posted earlier today. Entering the 2017 NFL season, who is the best head coach in the NFC? So I'm taking Belichick off the table in this conversation. I listed Pete Carroll of Seattle, Dan Quinn of Atlanta, Sean Payton of New Orleans, Mike McCarthy of the Green Bay Packers. Now, I get it. I leave Bruce Arians off the list. I can only put four on there. Carroll's got to be on there. Peyton's won a Super Bowl. Dan Quinn just coached in a Super Bowl and has had uh, a heck of a couple of years in Atlanta. I mean, in fact, I mean, if you just break down, and I know it's, it's skewed a little bit because of uh, the very good year they had last year. He's 19 and 13. He's only had two seasons. If I was going to eliminate one of those and put Bruce Arians in, I would have eliminated Dan Quinn. Nonetheless, he's on there. I would, of the NFC coaches, I would rank Mike McCarthy number one. But it would be close with Pete Carroll in on the two spot. I'd Those put, would be my yeah. top two, but I would have McCarthy number one. They've been in the uh, in the postseason eight consecutive years. He's been in the NFC Championship you know, on three separate occasions. He's lost two of them. I get it. And he has won a Super Bowl. So Carroll's argument might be greater. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Carol has a Super Bowl championship. And then a you know heartbreaking Super Bowl loss and ninety uh, like ninety percent of another one up until like the last minute. Uh, I I voted for Pete Carroll, but um, that's a pretty close one and two in my book between Carroll and McCarthy. Like if you said McCarthy number one, I totally get it. If you said Carroll number one, I could see your argument as to why. Um, I, I went with Pete Carroll one. I put McCarthy two, and uh, if you wanted to rank the remaining. Uh, coaches on your list, uh, I would probably put like Quinn. I don't know. It's just it's Sean Payton then Dan Quinn. Sean Payton just because of the history. Yeah, and I, I, I to be fair, I probably would have Bruce Arians on the list, but I didn't list him in the poll question. And what I, part of what I'm doing is setting a baseline because I know the conversation is going to come up later on about Mike McCarthy and his his coaching ability because when something goes wrong. People want to blame somebody. And, you know, there's going to be a point this year that something goes wrong and people are going to want an explanation and they're going to want somebody called on the carpet. And the most popular choices there are the general manager and the head coach. And then Dom Capers would be a a close third on that. If Aaron Rodgers is playing poorly, which doesn't happen very often, but when he does, then he's called on the carpet. But I, I wanted to establish a baseline, so I'd love to get you to vote at Mike Heller Show at Heller Sports, at John Audius Radio, at the Big 1070. Vote at any of those sites. Uh, they've all retweeted that Twitter poll question for today. I just want to establish where we sit on the front end. I've oh. got really close, but I, I would uh, give an edge, maybe it's a homer edge, mm-hmm. to Mike McCarthy. Uh, and then did you see this with Ryan Braun? I asked, what's the trade market for Ryan Braun? Apparently, according to this headline, there is no market for Ryan Braun this summer. But John Heyman of FanRag Sports says that Domingo Santana has slowed a bit, but he has drawn considerable interest elsewhere. So Domingo Santana, interest up. Ryan Braun, interest this summer, not really existent. Yeah, but, and but that's no surprise. I mean, he just has not had a healthy season, nor has he had a productive season. I think uh, his numbers from non-productive viewpoints are going to be okay. Uh, he squares up a lot of baseballs, but as far as production, home runs, runs batted in, uh, power statistics, which is one of the things that he has to do as a number three hitter, and his availability, they don't exist. And I'll bring up this from a year ago. Uh, it, John, if we could go back 13 months, how lucrative would a deal have been that would have sent Ryan Braun to the L.A. Dodgers for Yasiel Puig? Puig was very tradable a year ago because uh, he was underachieving by Dodgers standards, by a lot of standards, uh, but very young and talented. And Braun was very marketable a year ago, and the Brewers and Dodgers almost made that deal on July 31st of a year ago. It came together late, and it ended up being Knicks. There are different reports on on how that happened. One of them is that Mark Atanasio at the last minute said, no, I don't have enough time to really get it comfortable so they didn't do it braun has a higher ops in batting average than puig at this point um 
uh, playing in how many games has Braun played in? Like not enough. Seventy something or something. Seventy two. Puig's played in a in hundred twenty games and has twenty two homers, fifty eight RBI. Braun in those seventy two games has thirteen homers and forty RBI. So from a like an age standpoint, right, and a contract standpoint, it probably would have been okay. Oh, would have been and he would have been, been on okay. the, and he would have been on the field yeah. from a health standpoint right. too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think he would have been a good fit uh, in Milwaukee. Uh, there's a from the Brewers roster makeup standpoint, there is a, a, a very good Latin American influence on the Brewers roster. I think that it's it's a fun roster. I think that that group of players gets along very well. I think they all get along very well. It would have been a good fit. Now, there's no promise that Puig would have had the year in Milwaukee that he's having in L.A., but let me add this to the equation. Puig in Milwaukee is a lot more productive than Puig in Los Angeles from the standpoint of it's hard to hit home runs in L.A. Hmm. The the ballpark dimensions, the way the ball carries, it doesn't work as well. In Milwaukee, Yasiel Puig, you're going to add another, I don't know what that number is, I'm going to make up a stat, uh, 15 to 20% more home runs. Whoa. Yeah. You just made that up. I yeah, was going to go, I think you should be a little more conservative. Like 12%. Go like, I was going to say like 8. Oh, come on, man. If it was 8%, he'd have like two more home runs. Yeah, and, and I think he'd have more than two more home runs. You're saying that he's hit two balls this You're year in L.A. Have... that would have been caught on the warning track. That's it. What What, what is your number? 15? Yeah. 15 would give him 3.3. Mine would have given him 1.6 or something. Yeah. I said 15 to 20. So let's say it adds four more home runs to his total. That's a big deal, John. I'm just saying. 877-729-1070 is the phone number. Toll free. 877-729-1070. A surprising deal from Sports Illustrated on some of the views of college basketball coaches. I know you have it slated to talk about that in the 3 o'clock hour of the program. I want to just share that with you when we come back. And I want to continue to harp on today's poll question. Who is the best coach in the NFC heading into this season? Vote on the Twitter poll question. At Heller Sports, at the Big 1070, at Mike Heller Show, at John Audius Radio. Unless you didn't retweet it. Did you retweet it? I have not retweeted it Well, then don't vote at John Audius Radio because he's being that guy today. Back in a moment. This is the Mike Heller Show. Before I jump into this CBS Sports College basketball piece from Gary Parrish, Matt Norlander, and Reed Forgrave, which is actually pretty interesting. I'll get to it in a moment. But, John, let me ask you a question. Let's hear it. Honestly, don't lie to me. Okay. If you would have had the single winning ticket in the Powerball lottery the other night, which would have cashed out at $360 million after taxes, one-time lump sum payment, that lady from Massachusetts called her boss and said, I won't be in again. Would you? Yes. So we wouldn't have seen you yesterday or today? You would have never worked again? Never. Really? Yeah. I might have still called volleyball games because no, I like it. No, that's not what I asked you. On this talk show. <laughs> what does that make sound about this show? Huh? I'm like, I would have called yeah. volleyball games because I like that. So <laughs> that's not what I meant. You would have never worked on this show again. That would have been it. On uh, Wednesday think... night, you would have called Tim Scott... Would you have called me, by the way? Oh, yeah. I would have been, like, cheering and hooting and hollering. I'm never working with you again. Never working with you that again, That would have been Ella. the phone call. Woo! See ya! I have hated having to work with you for the last 
and nine here's something years, else. And I'm never coming in again, dude. And I don't even care. I don't even care. Would you have came into work the next day? Maybe not the next day, but I don't think I would have stopped working. Really? Yeah. I think so. I mean, maybe in like a year after I have my $360 million and I've done whatever the heck I wanted to for a year because I have money and you can do whatever you want, I would have been like, ah, kind of want to talk sports again. Hmm. And then I would have asked, and then they probably would have said no, and I said, I'll pay my own salary. Yeah, I'll do it for, I'll pay you to have me on <laughs> right. the show. Like, really? I'm like, yes, I'll pay you my old salary. So you, would, so you wouldn't have been here, and I probably wouldn't have been here yesterday and today, but I would have been here. I, I enjoy... So, I mean, it makes this sound bad, doesn't it? I actually really like what I do. Kari and I have talked about that. In fact, we talked about it with friends of ours a few weeks ago, that if you won the lottery, would you continue working? And I would continue. I like this. I would still be doing the play-by-play thing, I think. Um, I might have taken a leave of absence just to figure out. Because you got a lot of stuff to do. you got to figure out some stuff. You know what I don't like about that whole process is that you have to become public well she didn't massachusetts has oh you a, don't in massachusetts she could have re- remained anonymous oh that's what i would have done yeah you can take it in an anonymous trust i think in wisconsin you have to you have to be known yeah in many states you have to say hey mike keller won the lottery i don't so, like that that seems like a weird rule so law. you'd have been out yeah you'd have, well it would have been good knowing you would i've gotten would you have gifted me something uh i mean too early to tell at this point. I'd really? still be talking to lawyers and whatnot. I'm sure it's a process. Can I give Heller a, a cup, you know, like 200 bucks or something? Oh, yeah, for sure. I would have given you 200 bucks, no problem. That would have been... How about this? You win you the know, lottery. If you gave me 200 bucks, I would be more insulted than if you gave me nothing. Uh, you win the lottery, and then they say, okay, now you have to bet it on Mayweather or McGregor. Oh, boy. Like, this is the second part of securing your money. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You got through the first hoop. Well, uh, it's obvious you bet it on Mayweather, but you're not comfortable because you don't trust the process. So here, you asked me the question during the break, so we'll bring it back. Uh, And I'll get to this college basketball thing in a bit. You said, would I, because one of the bottom lines on one of the shows we're watching in studio said, would you bet your life savings? So let's change it. If If you won, yeah, let's just say you won the lottery there. Would you? I wouldn't double or nothing because the lottery's a ton. So let's do it. Go back to the life savings concept. Okay, let's go back to that. Would you bet your life savings on? And you had to bet it on this fight. Which way would you bet it? I would bet it on Mayweather, but I wouldn't feel comfortable. Not because I think he'll lose, but because I don't trust it. Right. I don't trust the process. I don't know if the fix is in. I don't know if they're angling for a second fight and another huge payday. I wouldn't trust the process. But if it's on the up and up, Mayweather's going to win. He's going to win a boring fight if it's on the up and up, right? On Saturday night, after I meet with my buddies and we watch that, if it's on the up and up, it's going to last however many rounds. I don't know if it'll go the full 10. Maybe Mayweather does something. But it, it, it will be a long fight, and Mayweather will make it boring, and you'll go round by round going, come on, McGregor's got to do something. 
because Mayweather does that to everybody. And you're going to watch him be a defensive boxer, and you're going to watch him box. You're, you're going to watch think, him fight. And you're going to think at any moment, well, all McGregor's got to do is land one. Come on, land one. And every round goes by. Just land one. So Every round goes by. Just, you know, a big one. Not, not one of those little in the, in the scrum deal. If it's not on the up and up, I mean, we'll see some, some action right away, right? I mean, within the first few rounds. Well, I think McGregor is going to attack. He's not going to sit back and want it to be a traditional boxing match. He's, I would think, what do I know about boxing? I would think McGregor's chance is to make this ugly. Get inside, make the referee step in a bunch, do things maybe you're not supposed to do. I think his goal would be, I can take one of his hits, but I want to get in there and I want to mix it up. I do not want Mayweather to be able to, to work the entire ring. I want to cut him off. I want to brawl. Right. I want to, I want to make this into a, Less of a sweet science and more of a of a street fight. I think, and I don't know, I'd, I'd love to look this up, um, how many times, I think McGregor's lost three times in MMA, right? How many times has he been knocked out by a fist? Because I feel like you're right. He's going to want to get close, and he's going to be able to say, I'll take a couple of your punches. You haven't, you're 40, and you haven't knocked anybody out in years. And taking one years. of those punches with their eight-ounce gloves is right. a lot different than taking a punch in MMA in which there's hardly any padding at all. And that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, if he's, in M- if he's fighting in M- MMA... And I don't know how many times he's gotten knocked to the ground with a hand, but uh, and he feels like he can take those punches. Well, then taking Mayweather's punches, are, he's going to love. He's going to want to do that. He's he's going to absorb some. He's going to be able to be more aggressive that way because he's going to be that confident having fought with the four ounce gloves in MMA. Oh, and I'm excited for it again. Are you again? I'm going to Google how many times uh, McGregor's gotten knocked down. Will you tell us about this CBS Sports thing? Yeah, CBS Sports college basketball writers Gary Parrish, Matt Norlander, and Reed Forgrave uh, spent a lot of July on the road in cities across the country covering live recruiting periods. In that work, they surveyed coaches for their annual Candid Coaches series. They polled everyone from head coaches at elite programs to assistants at some of the smallest D1 programs. In exchange for complete anonymity, coaches provided unfiltered honesty about a number of topics, but this is the first one. And it says coaching in college basketball has a reputation and it's not good. All right. And I think we get that, especially at the high major level. There's a perception that just about everybody is bending, if not breaking the rules, in pursuit of top 100 prospects. Honestly, I don't know if it's as bad as some insist. But I'm not naive either. That is written, um, that's by Gary Parrish. So they um, went to the coaches and said, what about totally clean coaches? Do they exist? And if they do, who are they? To find out, they asked more than 100 college coaches the following question. With complete anonymity, who is the high major coach you genuinely believe does everything by the book? and operates completely within the NCAA's rulebook. All right, makes sense? Number one, that appeared on 26.6% of the voters' ballot, John Beeline at Michigan. Number two, appearing on 10.5% of the ballots, Mike Bray at Notre Dame. Number three, a tie, appearing on 7.6% of the ballots, Tony Bennett at Virginia, and Greg Gard at Wisconsin. The other in the uh, top eight list, Mark Few at Gonzaga, 
Chris Hotmet at Ohio State, Tom Izzo at Michigan State, and Bruce Weber at Kansas State. Greg Gard and Tony Bennett both tied on the number three line in who is the high major coach you genuinely believe does everything by the book. There you go, Badger fans. Greg Gard, the third most truthful, honest, by-the-book coach. Yeah. Right? The third. He's ranked third, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tied third with uh, Tony Bennett behind John Beeline and Mike Bray, who were both uh, named on 26.6% of the, the voters, said John Beeline. Mike Bray. Who's on the other side? 10.5%. They didn't do the other side yet. Oh. But I like, they, they may very well get there, but they didn't do that yet. I just thought it was telling... And it's and it's a great compliment to Greg Gard. It's a great compliment to the Wisconsin program that others around the country believe that they are absolutely above board and on the up and up. Good stuff. Drew Olson will join us on the other side of the break. John's got more stats on McGregor Mayweather on the Mike Heller Show. They're the in crowd, we're the other ones It's a different kind of cloth that we cut from We let our colors show where the numbers ain't We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint That's who we are This is the Mike Keller Show That's how we roll Call the show at 877-729-1070 Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show Outside. Now, here's Mike Keller. I will not get high and I never get stained when we saddle up and ride them in the pouring rain. Look what you made me do. What? Look what you made me do. You're looking up Mayweather McGregor stuff? No, that's the new Taylor Swift single that uh, came out. It uh, was released today. Look what you made me do. Oh. Okay, I get it. You, now. We're not talking about the same thing? I didn't know what you were talking about. I'm pretty sure that it's been downloaded a gazillion times, and I bet that I bet that Drew Olson didn't download it. But maybe his Sprout did, and Armin Sarian probably downloaded oh, yeah, for sure. Taylor Swift's new song as well. Welcome in on a Friday afternoon, Mike Heller. And guess who's joining us in the Milwaukee studios right now? Drew Olson, and maybe Armin's in there. I'm, I'm not sure. Hi, Drew. Hello, fellas. No Armin? No Armin Sarian? It's not in there? Apparently not. And then we quickly lost Drew. We got him, and then now he's we gone. We lost him. Yeah, he's we gone. lost him. John Audius is here. Hi, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? You said I had some more Conor McGregor stats? Well, for those who just joined us, we did spend a little time. John uh, had asked the question during one of the breaks. He said, would you spend your, would you bet your life savings if you had to? Which side would you bet it on? Well, A, I wouldn't. But if you said, okay, you, you, your life savings going on the line one way or the other, which one are you going? And I would go with Mayweather. And I'd feel comfortable with one exception. I don't trust it. If it's a real fight and Mayweather is incentivized and there's not the fix in to get a rematch, Mayweather wins this fight every time. What I don't trust is that Mayweather absolutely wants to win the fight. 
Now, let me ask you this. This is part of our number three in the Big Three at three. Just want to do that right now. Yeah, if you push the button, go ahead. This is the Big Three at three. The top three trending sports stories this hour. Number three. All right, back to Mayweather McGregor. Um, So if you had to bet your life savings, and I get, I would bet it on Mayweather too, but you are also a little leery because you don't know if this thing is on the up and up. So I'll ask you this. Let's say McGregor wins, okay, and it's a knockout. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Do you feel it's... Are you still feeling that way? Cause the you, only you, way this well, ends that way is if it was rigged. So even if you like watch the video and you see Mayweather Just, stiffen up and he drops and McGregor got him clean... Like, you'd still think that was fake. Like, I'm just saying, like, could you see a punch by McGregor that even though he wins, you would say, okay, maybe maybe it is on the up and up and he got a good shot on Mayweather. No, because no? Mayweather doesn't get hit. He doesn't get hit. So an amateur stepping into the ring for the first time since he was about 17 to box isn't going to hit him. Not going to happen. So, so you, even if so you see... If it does... It, okay. So it's just, it. I don't. Tr- who trusts boxing? I'm for just God trying to sakes. confirm that if you see video of McGregor landing a left hand on you Floyd Mayweather, hold have on, to stop. just let me throw out the scenario. And Mayweather stiffens up and he falls. And you're saying he took that punch and stiffened up and yep, that's all fake. Like I don't. Tr- I wouldn't trust. I don't trust this fight for a moment on either side. True. I don't either. If Mayweather's going to carry him, they have to entertain the masses. They have to put on a show. They have to set up a potential rematch. I don't see... Logically, there's no way McGregor can win this fight. So so you both are convinced, even if he does with a punch that you see that looks real, you're saying that Mayweather said... Real fighters couldn't land that knockout punch on Mayweather. How is a guy who's an amateur not even an amateur? Like How how is a guy going to do that? A real fighter... Conor McGregor, sir, is a real fighter. Yeah, if you open it up and he doesn't have to yeah. work by boxing rules. That's true. In the octagon, he is, but not in Don't this form. Don't be surprised form. to see controversy either. In what way? In in ways that McGregor violates the boxing rules and gets a yeah. headbutt or um, a elbow or, take or down. shoulder well, or I, tackles him. No, I heard Dana White on Rich Eisen today talk specifically about that, and there are uh, langu- there's language in the contract that these two sign that if McGregor tries any funny business like that, that there would be lawsuits and he could he would lose all his money that he's set to gain so, here. So when, I don't know if any of that kind of stuff when, would happen. When we cut to the chase on this, uh, there are two things that are absolutely at the forefront for me. One, I'm intrigued. Okay, I apologize for that uh, because I would I would prefer that I'm not. I'm intrigued. I really would like to see it live. Yeah. I, so I'm just, right. I'm just uh, being honest about that. Number two, I have zero trust that it's on the absolute up and up. Zero. Okay, let me rephrase. One percent belief. Like here's the that thing: everything is just simply on the up and up. If McGregor wins by decision for Never some happened. reason, well, just is it, or, or there's like a punch, but it just it seems it doesn't seem right. Like then I'll buy 
the fix. I'll, I'll, I'll totally buy it. I mean, there's part of me that says, I guess it could happen for sure. Um, but if I see something that this looks clean and it looks like Mayweather wasn't expecting it and it just seemed like a, a lucky shot that was right, you know, just a, a good hard shot by McGregor, I don't think I'll scream the fixes in. By the way, McGregor has never been knocked out to lose a fight. He's lost three MMA fights. I looked it up. He's lost by submission uh, three times, a rear naked choke, Mike. And I'll do it. An arm triangle and a knee bar. So he's lost three times by submission, never by a punch. I I simply think that uh, if it were absolutely on the up and up, Mayweather would win just by working it, and uh, it wouldn't be in a knockout. Wouldn't be of those. <laughs> it would just he'd just not not get hit all night, and it would be boring. Now, to be fair, I don't know if McGregor was then knocked down and then the guy jumped on him and put yeah, him in a move. Yeah. Usually, it's yeah. those are I don't all, know if that happened. So. Those are all ground game uh, moves that you're talking about, John. With my extensive knowledge of MMA, number two round game, number two on our big three at three. Um, speaking of fighting, there was a fight in baseball. We talked about it uh, yesterday. Um, Major League Baseball should have some penalties come down from this, but is there anything we should or could do to stop fighting in baseball? One and number two, you guys saw Gary Sanchez then with the cheap shot. What should happen with Sanchez? Well, okay, so the 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 first question on should baseball be doing something about their fighting? I think that the um, you incentivize uh, players to to take better care in those situations with fines and suspensions. So the uh, deterrent that's out there are fines and suspensions. The club's level of deterrent where that's concerned is the Yankees desperately don't want to lose Gary Sanchez right now for multiple games. You know, they're, they're trying to be a playoff team. Tigers ultimately didn't care. In the big picture, I think baseball um, does a decent job. You don't see many of these. Some say you shouldn't ever see them, but okay, I, I can understand the argument. Um I don't think it's a huge issue. I think there are big fines and suspensions coming, and I think one of those is going to Sanchez, who I thought was, uh, well, I don't think. Twice the video shows him jumping in to deliver cheap shots, fights that he's not in. If you're in a fight, John, go ahead and throw your punches. If you and I are squared off and we're wrestling and you and I are throwing punches at one another, then you and I are throwing punches. Right, and I, let's say I get you in a rear naked chokehold. And then Drew jumps in yeah. and starts throwing rabbit punches in my rib cage, mm -hmm. back of my head. Now, I'm going to find Drew at some point down the road, and I'm going to hit him with my 67-mile-an-hour fastball. He's going to wear one. Yep. He's going to have plenty of time to get out of the way. <laughs> 67. But he's going to wear <laughs> one. And uh, and so I thought Sanchez was... Sanchez is could be a little bit of a marked man right now from others who saw what he did, Drew. Yeah, and because Miguel Cabrera is a popular player, and what he did was um, kind of uh, shady, it, for lack of a better phrase, it was shady. So, I, I think in terms of deterrence, the fines and suspensions are all all we really have. These are rare. It's not like hockey. There are so many people who say, "Why are there still hockey fighting?" Because it's just it's almost hard to legislate out of the game. These, these the game can police itself to a point, but in cases like this, you know, you have these once in a while. And we just we deal with them. I, uh, people make too big a deal out of the. There's too much. Oh, what are they doing? Why are they letting guys leave the dugout? All that stuff. I mean, we talked about that yesterday. But in this case, I, uh, there will be heavy fines and suspensions for all involved. And because the Yankees are in the playoffs, maybe they'll stagger them a little bit. We'll see. Yeah, they, they we could get announcements on those as early as yet still this afternoon. So we'll keep an eye on it. But uh, I I'm, I mainly agree with Drew on this. 
We're going to see some big ones, but I also don't think that baseball has an issue that they have to fix. Number one. By the way, I saw something on Twitter. I, I don't exactly. I mean, I get Listen, it. You have Twitter? But I don't agree with it. Anyone who buys Mayweather McGregor tomorrow loses the right to complain after. You're better off lighting a $100 bill on fire. Well, well I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm in. I'm intrigued. I am too. And if I want to spend $100 because I want to be entertained by that, I mean, why, what's, leave me alone. You go light your money on fire. I you think the, it's worth my the, money because I'm going to be entertained. I'm paying what about, for entertainment. What about if I said to you um, that you could get an in... Okay, so money's not really the object here. Okay, here we go. But you could be in arena tomorrow night. Is that the MGM? Caesar, Caesars, I think. I don't know. I think it's at Caesars. That was MGM. Who knows? Uh, one of those places in Vegas. You could be in the arena with good seats for $3,000, $3,500. In the three thousand to thirty five hundred, and again, money's not the issue. Or you could spend another fifteen hundred, and be in a good seat at the Super Bowl. So, average Super Bowl price ticket prices last year were five grand. So, would you probably spend, the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. I would. I mean, the I mean, it'd be anticipation pretty... and the hype of this. But what if it lives up to, well, if it doesn't I'm live up saying, to the hype like many but, think it but, will? Okay, so one of the great things about these events is your own personal buildup. The excitement, the intensity of knowing you're going to be there tomorrow night, being there maybe for the weigh-in today, and then being around that atmosphere all day tomorrow and walking into that arena tomorrow night. And I get it. Same thing exists for the Super Bowl. Just saying, you know. Uh, I've talked to a bunch of people. I've never been to a big-time prize fight, but I've talked to a bunch of people that have been, and they said that that walking in, those moments leading up to it, the buildup, is unlike any other sporting event that they go to. Seems pretty fun, that's for sure. Uh, number one in our big three at three uh, poll question, a tradition unlike any other, is a Twitter poll question from our very own at Heller Sports, Mike Heller. Entering the 2017 NFL season, who's the best head coach in the NFC? The four options, Pete Carroll, Dan Quinn, Mike McCarthy, or Sean Payton. 63% say the Packers head coach. Yeah, I, Drew, one of the reasons I put this out there is I wanted to get a little bit of a baseline because you know there will be a point. It could be, uh, you know, 16 days from now. There will be a point that people go, oh, McCarthy, he sucks. <laughs> you know, because that happens. That's the way the NFL kind of works. Um, and I wanted to get a baseline as to what m the vast majority of our listeners felt who was the best coach in the NFC. I took the AFC out of play. I didn't want Belichick in the mix or Tomlin or Reed or Harbaugh, the, you know, who I think um, muddles up this, this picture. The best coach in the NFC entering this season is? I'd say Pete Carroll. Yep. That's who I voted for, too, Pete Carroll. A slight edge over McCarthy. I slight. think those two are it's yeah, close. Yeah, I think those two are neck and neck if you really look at it. Pete Carroll um, probably has a you know a little bit better resume overall in in the big moment. Uh, his resume is a five eighty eight winning percentage. He has a Super Bowl ring, two NFC championships, one, and uh, four NFC West division championships, six playoff berths in his seven years as head coach for the Seattle Seahawks. Meanwhile, with Green Bay, uh, I think you're well-versed in, in this, what McCarthy has done. 114 wins, 61 losses. That's a 651 winning percentage, uh, which is higher than that of Pete Carroll. 
one Super Bowl ring, so they're even there, but one N- NFC Championship win, which of which Carroll has another. Six NFC North Division Championships, nine playoff berths. Eight in a row. So both impressive. The, the resume. Yeah, they're both impressive. Yep. It's a little bit of apples and oranges. In retrospect, I would have included Bruce Arians. Uh, but he's, he, you know. Who are you going to take off? Because you only not, have four. Ar- Ar- Arians hadn't been in the Super Bowl yet and hasn't won an NFC championship. Yeah, I was going to say, you only have four. You can't take Sean Payton off because he's won a Super Bowl. Right. So I take- guess I wouldn't. I'd leave it as it is. Yeah. There you go, guys. That's the big three. That's it already? At three. Hmm. That's it. What do you got next? You asking me? Ooh. Drew? Drew, what do you got next? John? Anybody? Ooh. All hmm. right. We'll continue with a surprise next on the Mike Heller Show. <laughs> All right, so every one of the Milwaukee Brewers, this is a player's weekend. So I'm going to give you guys, and, and Drew, you probably know these. So if you do know them, then you're disqualified. <clears throat> do you know them already? Okay. I know a few. Okay, so I'm going to go through the over-under on, I'm going to give 10 choices, the over-under on John's correct answers for an Ian's Pizza Bet. I'm going to give you 10 options. John, oh, you no. cannot look what? up Brewers player notes. No Brewers game oh, notes for you. Okay. Have you looked at it already? Today? Yeah. No. Okay. So, Drew, over, under on John, I'm going to give him 10. What? Could I ask what this I'm going to just give you the nickname. It's Players Weekend, so all players in Major League Baseball are wearing their nicknames on their jerseys. Oh, I won't get any of on these. On their uniforms. I won't get any of these. Oh, so you're you're helping Drew out now. Okay. I can try, but... Drew. I'm going to give him 10, Drew. What do you think John gets? I'm going to say three. All right, so let's set the over-under then. Would you take the under of three and a half, and I'll take the over? Uh, I'll take the under. I'm comfortable okay. with all that. Right. Um, all right, so there's going to be ten of these, John. You ready? Uh, sure. This is an, There it is. These are players' weekend nicknames across Major League Baseball. The Brewers will wear special jerseys with the following nicknames tonight through Sunday. John, these are ten choices. Here you go. First up, on the back of his jersey is the name Dino. D-I-N-O. Dino. Dino. In five seconds. Not Domingo. Uh, I don't, I don't know. And it is Jesus Aguilar. Oh, I didn't know that. Dino. Okay. All right. Choice number two. His nickname on the jersey is Texas. I have no idea. In three seconds. This isn't... Uh, would it help if I told you no, he was pitching okay. tonight? Chase Anderson! Yeah, yes, but it's too late! No, 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 you don't get it. What? That no. doesn't count? No. Why not? I can't give you hints. 
The next choice is El Nino. Oh, I knew this one. El Nino. Can I phone a friend? No. (laughs) Why can't I phone a friend? Okay, you can ask Drew on the next one, but not on this one. I'll go with Orlando Arcia. Did you just cheat? No. That is correct. Orlando Arcia is El Nino. The kid, which, John, uh, you get a bonus point, not counting in the bet, if you can name the kid in Brewer's Lore. Uh, Because the nickname's already been used. Uh, Robin Young. Correct. But this is El Nino. Uh, The next one, John, is Bat Boy. I know this one. Go ahead. Zach Davies, because he looks like the Bat Boy. That's correct. And people say he looks like me, but I don't see it. So you're two for four. You got six remaining. Okay. Or that I look like him. Um, All right. I believe... Nickname is on the jersey. I believe. Why are you looking at a computer screen? I'm not. Uh, you're not looking at me. I don't know. I have no idea. Drew, would you have known that one? I would not. Not uh, out of hand, no. I Who would not have known that. Stephen Boat. I have no idea. All right, you're halfway there, and you've got two right, so you're right on the, the okay. break number. All right, the next one, John. The nickname is on the back of the jersey. The chicken. The chicken. The chicken? Is this something that I'm supposed to know as a Brewers fan? Uh, the ch- uh, I have no idea. Do you know this one, Drew? Yes, I, I, I do. Chicken? Go ahead, Drew. That would be Craig Council. Nickname was given to him by Rich Donnelly, his third base coach in in Florida, way back in the day when the '97 team, because he had that batting stance that looked like a chicken wing. His daughter called him that, and then there's a long story about Donnelly's daughter dying and the, the chicken runs at midnight and that scored the winning run after midnight. And the it's just it's it's a long, involved, heartwarming story. But okay. it's well, there you go. Uh, Craig Council's the chicken. The teammates right. for a while called him the Grumpy Rooster. Because he would show up with his hair all messy in the morning <laughs> and was grumpy until he had his coffee. So, John, so. six of them in. You got two of them right. Whew. Eddie Love. Is Eddie it, Love. Is it Ed Cedar? It is. It was kind of an Ooh, easy one for so you. So easy. Right. It was easy, but I thought maybe it was a tricky one. Like, like you're trying to trick me or something. Well, I actually kind of gave you one. That wasn't very nice of me. Uh, nonetheless, it's been done. Okay. Bird Dog. Bird, bird dog, dog, bird dog. His nickname is Bird Dog. Bird dog, bird dog. Dude, I have no idea. Um, is it? Can I? Can I phone a friend again? Yes. Well, can I ask you? Is it a? When I phone a friend, I ask Drew, and well, how does this work? So Drew just says, I think it's this guy. Uh, like, yeah, I can't. He can't, he's not going to give you this one. I mean, I'll, I'll give you the position. It's, it's a pitcher. It's a pitcher. And you have five seconds. Oh, I already said Zach Davies. Uh, it's a starting pitcher. You didn't. You don't get that. Three, two, one. Corey Knable. He got it! Are you wow. kidding Wow. At the buzzer. I was going to say Jimmy Nelson. But then I changed it to Corey Knable. That's why four. is Bird Dog? I don't get it. Um, 
I don't know. Uh, McAlvey did a, a piece on all of the... A brewery. He found a, a brewery during a college trip, baseball trip. It was Bird Dog Brewery. And so he's like, Bird Dog. Yeah. What the hell? Who's supposed to know all this? And these? my last one was going to depend on your on where you were. If you weren't close or if you were right on the edge, I was going to give you pineapple. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That one's easy. I, well, I thought it would be, but John's... No, it's not easy It's not easy. Me. It's not easy for me. Um, well, I know it's not... I have no idea. Really? Am I supposed to know pineapple? You should know pineapple. Can I phone a friend? No. Okay, then I, I got it wrong. Manny. Oh. Yeah. It was sense. either that or I was going to go with yeah. walkie. Walkie? Yep. I don't know that either. Then you just got to go through the rosters and see, how, am I going to get a hint? So I can bring up a roster? Yeah, well, not if he's going to take the rest of the hour. You never told me I could bring up a roster. Well, I didn't want you. You were looking at a roster before because you weren't looking at me and you were looking at your computer. I was looking at Twitter. Yeah, trying to see if somebody was helping you. Hoping that maybe someone would throw me a bone. Who's walkie? Well, think of somebody's last name, and it's just a takeoff. Because I didn't want to give you the last names that would go along with, you know, like Matt Garza being the count. That that one's too I would have gotten that one. Uh, JJ is Jeremy Jeffress. Uh, I thought that was too easy because it's... And I gave you a, an easy one earlier with Eddie Love. Um, I couldn't go... Well, I wasn't going to go uh, position coaches or batting, uh, you know, Darnell Coles is DC, and pitching coach Derek Johnson is DJ. DC would have fooled me. Walkie, newly acquired. Oh, Even, Walker, yeah, Neil there, Walker. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking Neil Walker. Okay. Well, John, you got your four, which is I didn't think you'd get four, but I, I mean, Drew. Let's be yeah. fair. I gave you him handed a him Ed Cedar. Yeah, yeah totally yeah. handed me Ed Cedar. And and I got totally lucky. He, on, any, like, any, I got lucky on Knable and shot clock buzzer hit on Knable was, was the huge. other one. What's well, the other ones I got? I knew Zach Orlando, Davies. Um, I got lucky in Arcia. Late. I got lucky in Arcia. Yeah. I got lucky on Knable. You handed me one. Do you one. like this, th- you this idea on, on yes. uh, Drew? Do you like this, too? I, I like it. this for a weekend? The jerseys the jerseys look a little bit like softball jerseys. Yeah, they're they different, not comfortable. just with nicknames. Yeah. They're different, but I, I kind of like it. You know, Players weekend. I think every weekend is players weekend, but it's, you know, they get to wear the shoes and the equipment. They get to use the bats and stuff that they want. They're going to be, uh, so it's going to be pretty, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have some flair. Like an office space, they're going to have flair. My favorite nickname, by the way, is Pan Blanco. Pan Blanco, and it's not John. It's not Henry Blanco because he doesn't play with them anymore. Who's Pan Blanco? Hernan Perez. Hmm. White bread. <laughs> I also wasn't going to give you nerd power because oh, that I knew one's that. I too known easy. That. Yeah, that would, that's a, that's uh, and the big sweat. Would you have gotten that one? Yeah, the big sweat. Would you have gotten the big sweat? Dude, I'm not going to get ninety. How many times have we talked about on the show that Jimmy Nelson will change his jersey oh. like three times on a on a hot summer night? That makes sense. Go through three jerseys. He's called sense. the big sweat. 
We Drew and I did our interview with him in the morning in the shade at spring training, and it wasn't warm yet. And he got up, and that chair was soaked. <laughs> he goes, "Oh, I think I left a puddle in that chair." That's for you hilarious. Guys. Yeah, and that chair was it was wet. It was a wet chair. That's kind of gross. Not well, gonna lie. He's a, he's a he's a heavy sweater, John. Well, just saying. That's all there is. Does he wear sweaters in the winter? I don't think he needs to. No. No. I wouldn't think so. Uh, so the Brewers get this matchup with the Dodgers and in the players' weekend uniforms. They go Chase Anderson against Kenta Maeda tonight. That's 9-10 Central Time. Zach Davies against TBA tomorrow. Jimmy Nelson against TBA on Sunday, but that's going to be you Darvish. 8-10 on Saturday night, 3-10 Sunday afternoon. There was some thought that Clayton Kershaw said he would skip his rehab start and he could go, but the Dodgers are not going to do that, right, Drew? I mean, they have no yeah. need. They, they won't. The, they are you've won be 90 games already. Yeah. yeah, you can take the high side of caution, as Mike McCarthy would say. My goodness, 90 wins four months away from Christmas. On August the 25th, they've got 90 wins. That is crazy. And they'll play tonight. Brewers and Dodgers happening tonight. At uh, Dodger Stadium, Chavez Ravine in Los Angeles. They'll uh, they'll go at it. 9-10 first pitch in that one. We'll talk more about what we see from the Green Bay Packers tomorrow. Update our poll question. John's waving. Hello, John. Tom Hardercourt, JS Online, going to join us next, too. Oh, is that going to happen now? I think so. Right, Drew? Yes, let's, let's do, do it. it. All right. All right. Tom Hardercourt from around Dodger Stadium. I don't know if he'll be there yet, but he's in L.A., We'll talk with Tom Hardicourt, our baseball Brewers insider, next on the Mike Heller Show. Shout out to the guys that they've lost already. Yes, it's it's killed them, hasn't it? Losing all these teams. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they're facing one of their regular pitchers tonight, Maeda, but tomorrow a spot starter. Ross Stripling because Alex Wood went on the DL. And then on Sunday, you Darvish is coming off the DL to make a start. Generally, when you come right off the DL, you're not that crisp. So let's see what happens. It's And Cody Bellinger's out, their runaway rookie of the year candidate. So they're catching the Dodgers as vulnerable as, you know, and Kershaw remains out. Um, so they're catching them as vulnerable as they probably have been all season, but it hadn't stopped them, you know. And uh, Mike and I were talking yesterday. I was shocked that you know um, Hill didn't throw a perfect game the night before right. because nothing else has gone wrong for him this year, you know. But uh, I don't know. Ninety victories, the Brewers to get to ninety for the season would have to play like seven hundred ball the rest of the way. Yeah, it would it would be an impressive finish if they if they were able to do that, no doubt. Um, one of the guys sometimes they say in in all of sports the best trade you don't make the best trade you can make is the one you don't make. Uh, right. That would be the case with uh, the L.A. Dodgers because you know what? Thirteen months ago, the Brewers and the Dodgers at the eleventh hour almost pulled the trigger on a Brown for uh, on a Ryan Braun trade that would have. Uh, that would have probably hurt the Dodgers. I mean, they're getting a lot of out of Yasiel Puig. They were essentially done with him, and now Puig has returned to be a huge rising star, not just for the Dodgers, but in the league. Yeah. yeah who knows how that would have shook out for him, right? Almost like you said, almost a year ago on August 31st. Um, you know, plus this um, 
had, had any of us heard of Chris Taylor last year? I, I don't remember hearing about him. You know, he had a grand slam in Mil- in Milwaukee, that big comeback they had against Carlos Torres in the ninth inning in that series when they scored five runs. And he's having a tremendous season. I saw he had a big game the other night in Pittsburgh. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're just a true team. You know, they they just, um, you know, Puig, Puig had sort of, they had sort of given up on him a little bit. You know, Adrian Gonzalez, you know, got his 2,000th career hit the other night, but he's been banged up a lot this year and, and not that effective. But but they just play so good as a team. Their bullpen's been unbelievable. Um, I don't know. They get we we always talk about is there any such thing as momentum in baseball? Well, they surely have the most momentum anybody's had, and probably since what the '01 Mariners. I mean, this is remarkable what they're doing. Tom, the, uh, the everything's it's weird when you have an off day and when the team's on the West Coast, things just move at a weird pace. It took me till today to realize that the Brewers had claimed that pitcher from the Cubs, Aaron Brooks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was the old backup quarterback for the Packers, but I checked it wasn't him. And <laughs> Not him. I believe that he, he was a UVA guy, too. I think that, that Aaron Brooks. Yeah, I mean, that that was kind of like a depth move. Um, it did fly under the radar. They sent him. He had an option left, so they sent him to AAA. But, uh, yeah, I just think, you know, just building more depth in their pitching. So it seems like it's been a week since they played a game, doesn't it? I mean. It does. They, they last played Wednesday afternoon, so it's been two full days now, and before they get to tonight's night game. So, yeah, I'm running. I'm I'm running. I you know I wrote about the Dodgers juggernaut um, for this morning's paper, but uh, I need some new material. We got to play a game here and like get some give us some material to work well, with here. We you know we haven't had much game action to talk about for two days, have we? I got you because Mike and I've been talking about Ryan Braun's production lately. Yeah. How he just is hasn't hit a, hit a lot of home runs like one in the last month I think and just not hitting with runners in scoring position his numbers aren't good and if the Brewers are going to do anything he has to produce he has to get hot because in the last their last two playoff runs I mean he was El Hombre. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring that up because I'm writing a story for tomorrow. Uh, we can't get games in the- Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Paper, so we do little mini features on the West Coast. Um, I'm writing a story about RISP because it's the, the Brewers have been bad as a team. They're like 26th in the major leagues and runners in scoring position. And when they don't hit home runs, that really hurts them because they've had trouble you know, stringing hits and rallies together. And so I'm writing about that, and I look, Braun's batting 175 with the runners in scoring position this year. Now, his his sample size is about half of what some of the other are because he missed so many games with that leg injury. So if he would have played all those games, would it have evened out? I don't know. But last year he hit 366. He led the team. So I'm going to go pose the question to council that that you, the sabermetricians bat, uh, bat around a lot. Does individual RISP stats mean anything? 
because guys have a good year one year and a bad year the next. Um, you don't often see the guys have the same success every year. I don't know where you guys fall on that. You know, you, the guys have to be on base in front of you, so it's not totally in your control. But uh, Drew, what do you, what do you think? You're a you're well, you have a full background. Do you for, think for RISP Braun, numbers, especially individually, mean anything? Well, for Braun, it's a small sample, but it's uh, you expect him to be more productive. Uh, right. You know, I mean, it just it is weird that he's. It, there are times when he'll go through periods when he's hitting home runs, but they're all solo, and that's not on him, right? You know, home runs are right. home runs, but you know, and guys with, I think, man on third, less than two out, he's one for. 10 or 1 for 11 this year and I always think well that's the guy I'd want on the up in that situation but he hasn't been coming through. So this is kind of a fluky year and the fact that he's not hitting home runs you wonder is he slowing down? Is he, uh, are we done seeing him? Is he now a 20 to 25 homer guy instead of a 35 to yeah. 40 homer guy? He did it. He did hit a ball in that last game in San Francisco that the center fielder caught against the wall and I think that would have been a, definitely a home run in Miller Park and maybe some other parks too at AT&T. It's a big place, and the ball doesn't carry well there. So he, he put a charge in that. The runners were actually going, too. Was, yeah, first and yeah. second, nobody out, and they they yeah. both had the bases stolen. But, yeah, all other ballparks, and certainly in Milwaukee, that's a three-run home run. But Right. So he did, but, but you are correct that in general, he has not. Uh, the reason I know he hadn't hit any home runs is because there's uh, been a note on the Brewers' note page yeah. of Ryan Braun two home runs away from 300 for, for quite a while. You know, that's that. Little box hasn't changed. That little note hasn't been updated, hasn't it? So he had definitely hasn't hit one for a while. This ain't the greatest home run ballpark either, Dodger Stadium, especially at night, um, where they get the marine layer in a little bit here too. Uh, we, you know, we've talked often that pitchers really want to pitch at the NL West because, except for Colorado, you got pretty pitcher-friendly ballparks. Um, so we'll see what happens. The the doctors. Um, who have scored a, a lot more runs than the Brewers, have been a little better than them with runs in scoring position, but not sensational. I think I looked up in their 14th in the majors. So uh, they they have hit a lot of home runs also. but So they're not killing it themselves with runs in scoring position, but it's just – I don't think any individual statistics you run with them or any team statistics, Statistics are going to add up to ninety wins. No, they're it's almost like yeah. They're, I don't want to say they're doing it with mirrors. <laughs> uh, they're they're plus two twenty one in run differential. Uh, let me get your yeah. quick reaction to this because I'm just seeing it from John Hammond that Miguel Cabrera got seven games, Gary Sanchez four games, others banned as well. Your quick reaction to those two numbers: Cabrera seven, Sanchez four. Well, Cabrera picked a fight with the catcher right. and, and started swinging at him. So no, nothing on Dylan Batances. He hit a guy in the head. Nothing <laughs> yet. I think they're just coming down. I just saw Hammond, John Hammond's tweet on that. Those are the first it, two he's got out there. Yeah. Um, I, I sort of see the Miggy one because, like I said, he picked, he started woofing at the catcher and then, then you know, started swinging like a boxer. So that generally is frowned upon. Uh, I saw Batances' post-game quote saying that he didn't try, he wasn't trying to throw at the hitter, but on a day when everybody was getting drilled and suspended, he hit a guy in the head. So, you know, I don't really care to hear about intent. That was pretty scary stuff. So I got to believe he's going to go away for a while. Yeah, we need, it's going to be every, it's going to be a lot of suspensions and they're going to have to probably stagger them so that these teams can field teams the next 
you know, week or so. Yep, no doubt. Hey, Tom, we got to run. Thanks for jumping on uh, a little later on this Friday afternoon. We, it's always good to visit with you. All right, thanks for letting me do a mulligan. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Take care. Keep, keep that phone working. Uh, Tom Hardercourt, his time here, brought to you by our friends at Left's Lucky Town. It's a great place to catch a game. And Westtown Monona Tire in Madison at the corner of Gammon and Odana. More in a moment on the Mike Heller Show. They're the in crowd with the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our colors show where the numbers ain't. With a paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I will get high. So this is what Major League Baseball has handed out in regards to yesterday's multiple bench-clearing situations, four beanballs, eight ejections. This is what Major League Baseball hands down for discipline today. Tigers first baseman Miguel Cabrera, seven-game suspension for inciting the first bench-clearing incident and fighting. Yankees catcher Gary Sanchez, four games for fighting, including throwing punches. Tigers pitcher Alex Wilson, Four games for intentionally throwing a pitch at Todd Frazier of the Yankees while warnings were in place for both sides. Yankees catcher Austin Romine, two games for fighting, including throwing punches. Tigers manager Brad Ausmus, a one-game suspension for intentional actions of Wilson while warnings were in place. All five individuals received undisclosed fines as part of their discipline. Others who were fined for their actions included Yankees manager Joe Girardi, the acting coach manager Rob Thompson, Yankees outfielder Brett Gardner, Yankees pitcher Tommy Kane, Conley, Conley, I think, Tigers shortstop Jose Iglesias. In addition, two members of the Yankees, first baseman Garrett Cooper and outfielder Clint Frazier, received fines for entering the field while on the DL. You know what I see here? Nothing on Dylan Patances, who hit a Tigers player on the helmet with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball after two players are, had already been hit or there were two situations that had already come to pass. So I want to get an initial reaction right away on that. I'm Mike Heller. That's Drew Olson. Drew, what's your reaction? Just got a text as you were reading that from a friend of mine who's an avid Tigers fan, and he said, Batantis walks free. Thanks, Joe Torre. How does that work? Uh, obviously, they deemed no intent. Well, I, I was as I watched that. It's you look at the game situation. Everybody, when when these things happen, you think, "Oh, he drilled that guy on purpose and he hit him in the helmet." He may have been trying to go up and in, but I don't know that he was trying to drill him because it's the leadoff batter of an inning in a game that at that point I think was tied in the seventh inning. So you just it, it just it, that's not the situation. Two out, nobody on. You might try to throw at somebody, but you wouldn't hit him in the head necessarily. So first pitch. Maybe it did actually get away. That, that's what I thought. I mean, maybe I'm naive, but I thought maybe that wasn't intentional. He probably did mean to back him off and go middle in and just got it up and hit the guy in the head. See, I would have thought uh, of the ones that you could you could tell intent, the uh, pitch behind Cabrera was intended, and then a little bit later on, the, the pitch that uh, that squared up and, and um, Alex Wilson that he threw and hit uh, Todd Frazier. 
I thought both of those were intentional. The one behind Cabrera because, you know, you never, that never happens. And then the other one to Clint Frazier. I would say that the initial hit to Gary Sanchez would have just been, just as easily have been, trying to get him off the plate. He's a really hot hitter. Pitchers like to make hot hitters uncomfortable, and they like to work inside, off the plate, to get them uncomfortable. So I would have thought the initial one that Girardi said, absolutely, they hit Sanchez on purpose because he homered earlier in his first at-bat. I I don't buy that argument. I I think that's just as easy that it is a pitch that rode in trying to get him off the plate a little bit as opposed to the other ones. Now, the other ones were in two of them, at least, I thought were with intent. I'm with you there. Yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So with us in studio today, and uh, I've never thrown at him. Now, I have worked him off the plate a little bit, trying to get him uncomfortable, but I've never intentionally thrown at John Audius. Hey, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? That's pretty amazing. Let's. Can this be number four in our big four at floor? John, you're in charge. This is the big four at four. The top four trending sports stories this hour. Number four. All right, number four in our big four at four. So how does Batansis not get anything? Like, I, I mean, I know you guys are just talking about it, but it seems awfully fishy that in a game in which people are throwing at each other, he hits someone in the head. Like, just how rare is it to hit? A player in the head, number one, and then have it happen in that situation. I, like it, he got all the benefit of the doubt. Like not even he didn't even get like a, a couple of games right. or a fine. He didn't get fined, right? If I read what yeah, I, nothing, he's nothing, not, uh, not nothing, listed. yeah, not listed at all. So you're telling me you're telling me that Major League Baseball said it's one hundred percent an accident. They're able to now, determine. I think that. they have to determine that there is intent, uh, and they it, it, so. They didn't determine that there was intent. I'm trying to think that it was Batances, scary. Batances get kicked out of the game, and that, did he? He didn't continue. I think he did get ejected. Yeah. So it's so after a both fine for that. Are warning uh, are warned uh, because that's why he got run. I don't know. It it, it does surprise me. In, in fact, in our conversation with Tom Hardicourt a short while ago, he thought Batances would go away for a while, and he's not even named in the report. Hmm. Interesting stuff there. So, no, I, I think that the the absolutely you can determine intent twice in that game. I don't know if you could determine that with the Sanchez Remember hit or the Batances hit. a couple incidents uh, from Brewers past. Mike Fires hit Giancarlo Stanton, remember, in the, yeah, in the, in face, the face at Miller Park. And he stayed in the game, and then he hit the next batter, too, because he was so shook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that one well, wasn't intentional, but the Marlins got really pissed. Casey McGee went insane. Remember, <laughs> Former Brewer, he was he had to be restrained. It wasn't, it, but it wasn't intentional. Like Mike Fires was just shaken, and he, that's what happened. Now Batantis had uh, adrenaline going and stuff, but I also remember the Brewers had a rookie pitcher named Sid Roberson, a little tiny left-hander, and he got into one of those games where there'd been beanballs back and forth. Both benches had been warned, and it was his major league debut, and he hit a guy. I think it was Mark McLemore of the Rangers in the back foot with a slider. 
and hit him in the foot, and they they looked at the ball, and there was shoe polish, and the umpire threw Sid Roberson out of the game. <laughs> to which, crazy. and then Phil Garner went insane because, like, why would you think that we're hitting a guy in the back foot with a slider? This is this kid's first big league game. He's you know his knees are knocking, and he didn't do it on purpose. And you're an idiot for throwing him out, and uh, that hard got to argue. Him thrown out, you would think. Yeah, hard, it was hard yeah. to argue his case because, but that was a point where they were trying to crack down in a John Adius way. They were trying to crack down on all these these uh, bench clearing things, and umpires were told to uh, drop the hammer, and that's what they did. And that was a case where if you just nobody, no sane person thought that the kid should have been ejected, but he was. Number three. All right, guys. I have number three. Oh, let's hear it. It's uh, it's an audible. I call it the line of scrimmage. Uh, even though that has nothing to do with the sport, I'm going to ask a question about. Uh, tonight and this weekend is Players Weekend in baseball. So that means you're going to see uh, different uniforms, different bats, color-wise. color, color wise. The, the bats will still be of the same ilk that they normally use. But they can do some of that. And you also see nicknames on the back of their uniforms. For one team... It's the first time ever for the New York Yankees in the history of the Yankees. It's the first time that names will be on the back of their uniforms. They've never put names on the back. There will be tonight, including Aaron Judge, who has All Rise as his nickname on the back of his uniform. What do you think of this? John, let me start with you. That the Yankees are actually no, putting No, 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 just the, the whole concept, including the Yankees. Uh, I think it's cool. I think it's fun. I think it draws some headlines. It makes you a little bit more interested in the games. Um, and you can sell merchandise. So I think it's it's a fun thing to do. What's wrong with having fun? As far as the Yankees, do you think Yankees fans like that? Because I, I would like to think that if I'm a Yankees fan, and, I, and I, I'd say, you know, we'll skip the weekend thing. Like, we've got this tradition that we've always had. Yeah, that it's never happened. Yeah, like, we'll just skip it. Can we do something else? Can we, can we, I don't know. Do write... all the other elements? Yeah, we'll do everything else, but maybe not the nicknames on the jerseys. I think if I was a Yankees fan, I'd be a little tweaked about that. Yeah. Drew? I just think, how many uniforms have the Brewers worn this season? It's a lot. <laughs> They have Cerveceros Night. They had Negro League Tribute Night. They had uh, Memorial Day. They have their opening day. I think there might have been a special patch. They have their batting practice jersey, the road blues, the throwbacks. They Now this. like They're up to like 12, 14 different uniforms in a season. It's just kind of crazy. Uh, but this is fun, and this one is cool, and I don't have a major issue with it. It is weird that it's the first time for the Yankees. But it begs the question, what would you put on the back of your jersey? John, what would you start with? What's uh, what you got on the back of yours? Hey, fellas, I don't know if you, you have not, room for are you what's get up. All I mean, that in there? I could get hey, fellas, and that would be. I mean, you'd get the gist of it. I don't know if you could get what's up in there. It might get a little bit too long. Um, yeah, who's got who's who's uh, who's got the longer names in baseball's history? I mean, Salta Lamakia is a long one, John. So hey, fellas, what's up? Probably not going to all get on there. Um. Yeah, you know, sh- the nickname on the show, Mikey Baseball, would be a bit odd on the back of a baseball uniform to be Mikey Baseball, but it might be what's it. If I was a kid, it would have been winner, which had nothing to do with uh, with baseball or sports. When I was younger, my sisters uh, nicknamed me winner because in the Miss America pageant, a couple of years in a row, when I was just a little kid, I picked the winner right from the very beginning. Whoa, look at so you. So I got the nickname winner. When I was this little. kid knows how to wow. pick them. Yeah. yeah. What about that? Uh, what would Drews be? 
I think I'd go with he hate me. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> Just make it a collectible. Two. Yeah. Solid. Number two in our big four at four. Would you bet your life savings on either Mayweather or McGregor this weekend? It goes down only on pay-per-view. What do you think? Well, two admissions. One, uh, I'm into the fight now. Yeah, I, I really kind of, I don't know if I'll see it because we're at an event tomorrow night that I don't know that I'll be able to see it. I was invited to uh, a friend's who has uh, purchased it, and he's having a, a gathering. Um Skip it. But I no, I can't skip the one. Oh. It's 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 important for me to be there. Um, so I'm into it, uh, and I do want to see it. I don't know if I will. Secondly, I don't trust it at all. So to force me, you'd have to force me to bet on it because I don't trust it. I simply just don't believe in the direction that the fight may end up going. Um, it, if I was forced to, I bet it on Mayweather, but I would be one nervous better, not because I don't think he'd win because I do think he'd win if it's up and up, but if it's, if there's something fishy and I just don't trust that there's not going to be something fishy. So, but it's still Mayweather. True. Yeah, it's Mayweather. I, I agree. If, if he loses, you almost think, oh, well, the fix is in and they're just setting up the rematch. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to trust it. The thing about watching the fight and going somewhere, talked about this in the Milwaukee show earlier, um, it's not going to start until about 11.15 or so. And if you're hosting, that's a long time to be hosting people. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm guessing there's probably a cover charge if you go to a bar, right? I I don't think you can get into a bar that has it that's not making you pay. And 25 how much, bucks. I was going to say, how much is that? 20 25. bucks or more? Yeah, I think there's... You know, uh, 25 up to like good. 60, yeah, you know? Sure. So, I mean, if you're... And I'm sure they probably have special deals, but if you're going to that bar and like you said, it starts late and you're paying 20, 25 bucks, whatever that is, maybe even more, and you're buying a few beers and you're getting something to eat and you're staying there, I mean, just get four friends and just go at home. Do it at home, right? I mean, that, that seems like the more... Well, it's the more economical way of doing it, but it also seems more fun. Yeah, you know, uh, bring your own beer over, and uh, we'll throw some pizzas in or whatever, and uh, it's twenty five bucks. Just uh, I'll buy the fight. You just give me twenty five bucks, kind of a deal. Yeah, yeah, that would probably be the way to go about that process. Number is that, one, is that what you're doing, John? Are you inviting Drew and I over? No, at, uh, I've already I've already got plans. I've had plans for huh. like two months. Really? Yeah, can't wait to go. All right. Uh, number one in our big four at four. A tradition unlike any other. Never mind. Drew and I will do something else. A Mike Keller Twitter poll question. <laughs> Entering 2017, who's the best head coach in the NFC? Pete Carroll, Dan Quinn, Mike McCarthy, Sean Payton. 63% say it's Mike McCarthy. Um, yeah, and I, I get this. So there's a little hometown bias, which sometimes can work against Mike McCarthy or Ted Thompson, for that matter. Uh, but uh, I think Pete Carroll and Mike McCarthy are a really tight vote there difficult to vote um between those two uh so i expected that to be a little bit tighter but i do get the hometown discount for mccarthy on this front um i think it's fair to vote mccarthy i also think it's fair to vote pete carroll i would vote mccarthy but there's a little hometown bias i go pete carroll just because uh you know the second well he won that championship game there you go that's what swung it for me beat the packers the brandon bostick game yeah and he was a play away if they he could have had another Super Bowl. He should have two he rings. Should have two. And some of Pete's um, his numbers that that bring him down a little bit from a winning percentage they're created by his first go around in the National Football League 
not by this one. So um, he he's been awfully good in Seattle. He's seventy and forty one with a six twenty nine winning percentage in Seattle. That's pretty good numbers. By the way, Mike McCarthy's winning percentage is six fifty one. So it's actually better than Carroll's in Seattle. So you know, so that's that's where I, maybe the argument is made in McCarthy's favor that overall, in a longer tenure, that McCarthy has a better winning percentage overall than Pete Carroll. So there, John, you vote. I Go vote, ahead. I voted I, for Pete Carroll. I left Mike Zimmer off the list. Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to vote for. That's who I wanted to vote for, but that was not an option for me, Mike. I vote for Pete Carroll. All the reasons you guys talk about. You just love your... You just... Anything to vote against the Packers. Anything. Yep. Who you will win the NFC the North? Packers. Vikings. Best coach in the NFC, Pete Carroll. Best quarterback in the NFC, Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford. Anything to dog. vote against the Packers. Yep. Yep. Now we understand. Better. That's that the it? Four at bitter. Four. That's the floor yeah. at four. Bitter. We do understand. Bitter. Uh, Brewers and Dodgers this weekend. In the grand scheme of things, you don't expect them to win the series. But what do you think comes out of L.A. when we're talking on Monday? We'll uh, dive into that just a little bit deeper when we come back. This is the Mike Heller Show. Just after 4.30, we're going to visit with Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, PackersNews.com. Pete Doherty, just after 4.30, the Packers will be in Denver tomorrow night. We'll spend more time on that uh, with Pete, obviously, after the bottom of the hour. Drew, uh, what can what should fans expect? Well, now, we talked about this out of the road trip to begin with, that the Brewers um, on this nine-game road trip that took them from Colorado to San Francisco and now to L.A., Right now they're three and three. They won the series in Colorado. They lost it in San Francisco. Three and three going in. I don't know what the number would have been. Five would have been uh, a decent road trip, right? And now you would think it's hard to get to five. What should they expect out of the weekend? Just to not be swept? Is that good enough? For me, that would be uh, yeah. That that's the expectation for me. Win a game. If you win the first game, hey, you're you you really got a shot to do something special. If not, uh. It's going to be tough. Uh, Brewers have won seven of their last ten. It seems like they're sputtering because it's been, like as Tom said, it seems like a week since they played a game and that they lost two out of three to last place San Francisco. But if they could win two out of three, if they could win two of these games, you're coming in, coming back to Milwaukee with a little bit ahead of steam. But I, I just don't see it. The, the Dodgers don't lose series. It's been 22 series since they've lost one. Yeah, I, they that's don't, crazy. They just don't lose series. So if you win one, uh, you're, you're happy. Avoid a sweep. Win one game. If you're a standings follower, and uh, here as we sit on August the 25th, it's uh, it you know for those of you who are reticent to uh, scoreboard watch or to look at the standings on a daily basis, the Brewers are four games back in the loss column in their key races. Uh, both Colorado and Arizona have 58 losses in the wild card. And they are three and a half games ahead of Milwaukee in the overall standings, but four in the loss column. The Brewers are also four back in the loss column to the Chicago Cubs, three games overall. 
But the Cubs, Arizona, and Colorado, all with 58 losses. The Brewers with 62. I don't know ultimately what that means. Milwaukee has had a, a bunch of off days, and they get another one after this weekend series in L.A. before they come home with two against St. Louis and then a four-game home series with the Washington Nationals. So I don't know what that all means. I said this yesterday. I, I love the idea. If you're going to go to L.A., I mean, you you would want, if you could set it up in your best-case scenario, you'd want to have the pitchers that the Brewers have going. Chase Anderson, Zach Davies, Jimmy Nelson in the three-game set against L.A. I don't know what that you know equals out to, but at least you, you give yourself a fair shake with your three best pitchers going back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. But I don't think it's as much with the Brewers about pitching as it is about hitting. Can they yeah. hit? Right. But they score six runs in three games in San Francisco and L.A. at night. Tough park to hit. And the Brewers are, let's face it, they're an offense that's dependent on the home run, and that's not, at night, a home run-friendly ballpark. Okay, so I'm going to say I'm going to say this, John. You might even want to absorb this as a potential Ian's pizza bet for sure. by the time we come back on Monday, or Drew can. There has been, and Tom brought it up, but I've been noticing it every day um, in Mike Vasallo's game notes that come out to those of us in the media. There has been a note in the left hand column on the first page for about ten days, maybe longer. I, I guess I have to look at it. Ryan Braun is two home runs away from 300 for his career. The franchise all-time home run leader would become the 12th active player with 300-plus home runs. I will Ian's pizza bet that that note changes by the time we talk on Monday. That he hits one or two home runs? I'm just that it'll change. It change. That, that Braun will will have hit one or he'll, two. He'll be he won't be two or home more. runs away from 300 when we talk on Monday. Drew? Boy. I'm just saying he's going to homer in the next three games. And I've been kind of beating up on Braun a little bit because... Well, I want to wait to hear he what Drew it. says. Oh, you're going to steal uh, Drew's? He, I might. If he's going to hit a home run, it would probably be at Dodger Stadium because he's had now two days at you know at his home in Malibu, sleeping in his own you know off-season bed. He is uh, an L.A. guy. Sometimes players press when they play in their hometowns. I've seen players that you have to deal with tickets and family and uh, you know your head swimming and you get distracted and you're trying to do so well f- to put on a show. Other players like Ryan Braun has really good numbers at Dodger Stadium, but it's a tough park to hit and he's not hitting home runs right now. Is he 100% healthy? I'm not sure. I will take the, I'll, I'll I'll be the contrarian. I'll say no. He's not going to hit a home run this weekend. Ooh, well, that sets John up to either sit with Drew on this, the baseball uh, savant who's been writing about baseball since before John was around, or with me. Where are you going to go, John? Where are you going to go? I am going to go on the side of Drew Olson. I knew you would. Yep. Oh, baby. I knew you would. So you guys are going to go, uh, and, and I get it. I mean, Braun has not been, obviously, he's not played all that well. His last homer is uh, against Cincinnati on August the 12th. That's his only homer in the last 25 games, 26 games. Um, but I'm just, I, I just like the way he has, in his career, kind of risen to the occasion in, in Los Angeles. You've got numbers on your side. 26 so. games at uh, Dodger Stadium, seven homers for hey, Ryan Braun. Can we make another Ian's pizza bet? Oh. Since most of us are going to bolt oh. here in a little bit too, can we make a Mayweather McGregor pizza bet? Like I think, what is it? I, I don't think we should just say straight up Mayweather or McGregor. 
I think we should predict who wins and how. Like okay. Mayweather by decision, Mayweather by knockout, Mayweather by TKO. Same goes for McGregor. So if somebody nails it, then they win. So we could have a bunch. We we could all pick all Mayweather in a wrong. decision, and it's a McGregor knockout. Yeah. Mayweather by DQ. Ooh, now there's the one. <laughs> no. I'm gonna go. I will go Mayweather, but I'm gonna go Mayweather in four. Fight stopped fourth round. Why? Did they stop the fight? Uh, I need to be. Well, I need to, let's well, get... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What do you mean? Why do they stop the fight? They only stop the fight for one reason. The other guy's getting beat up. Or can it be a TKO? That's the that, same thing. Uh, or a knockout. Well, why does it have to be specific well, to a knockout a or a TKO? TKO? That TKO well, is stopping the fight. Knockout ends the fight. Right, that's TKO what I'm saying. TKO stops the fight. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I need to get... I'm. I'm okay, I, I said it already. TKO. Okay, okay. They stopped the that's fight in the fourth round. Mayweather, TKO, fourth. No, Mayweather, and they'd stop the fight in the fourth round. <clears throat> okay, fine. You don't have to specify. I'm going to go McGregor wins by uh, stoppage of the fight. I don't. Well, we don't have to TKO pick round. or a stoppage of the fight. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You got to pick the round. You did. Why? Why do we have to pick I, the round? I went fourth round. Uh, third. McGregor. Wow. By TKO in the third. No, by stoppage of the fight. <laughs> Drew. Mayweather's going to carry him for a while. Mayweather in six. Mm, he almost went with my original thought was seven, but uh, he's going to go six, carry him for a while, and then drop him. Less than uh, less than twelve minutes. McGregor's not going to stop. The fight's not going to stop because McGregor can't take it. Well, it might be that his corner throws in a towel. No, but they it's th- not, see him it's getting not beat fight up because of that, huh? If Mayweather wins, it's going to be like twelve rounds. Maybe he opens up a cut that won't close. Yeah, or the fight could be stopped. You know, That's here, true. here, That's here true. let me. And, and I'm going to give you an off the board prediction as well. Drew kind of already went there. Fight gets stopped by a headbutt. Which, which I think, if I understand this, I could be wrong on this, but when the fight st- is stopped because of a headbutt, it's a no decision. Is that true, Drew? You're the, you're the boxing expert. Uh, yeah, it would be. Yeah, I'm I'm not a boxing expert by any stretch. But a- after warnings and stuff, if you continually do that, that's, well, I, that's I was joking yeah, about they, DQ. But yeah. what if he does something else? Low unless blows they or... deemed it to be um, with intent. You know that he had right. been warned and then did it with intent, but th- th- you know you could. There have been fights stopped because of a headbutt before, where they just call it a draw. Odds that the McGregor first time. bites off Mayweather's ear. Ooh. It could be. It could get a little crazy. That's what I'm night. picking. Yeah, <laughs> to get a little crazy. All right, John, you're leaving or something? Yeah, see you guys later. All right, whatever. Drew, can you stick around or you got to go? I can stick around. Drew's gonna stay. John's gonna leave. Okay. I'm going to rephrase that when we come back. John is on the verge of a suspension. 
This is the Mike Heller Show. Pete, Pete Doherty, Doherty next. Yeah, yeah, there you go. A couple of times a week, we get to visit with Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-GazettePackersNews.com, and his time on the program is brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison. Packers and the Broncos tomorrow night from Denver, and I think a lot of people have uh, now feel that in that game tomorrow night, you're going to see Aaron Rodgers, and you may see him into the second quarter, despite Brian Bulaga being ruled out. The Packers and Broncos going at it, and I think a lot of people expect that Aaron Rodgers will play. We welcome in Pete Doherty. Pete, how are you? Good, Mike. How are you today? Good. I mean, it's two days in a row. We, we, I mean, we, you and I have been working together all week. We, we did a television show on Spectrum Sports Roundtable that airs tonight and throughout the weekend. Uh, we've been on the radio together. This is the second time this week. I mean, it's just the honors all mine, Mike. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What do you think of uh, – do you expect Aaron Rodgers to play? And, and if so, would you expect him to play the full first quarter, maybe even into the second? I mean, I, I'm sure he's going to play. He took so many reps in practice this week. Um, you know, if Belaga hadn't been hurt, I would have thought they'd go most of the first half. But with that injury, I mean, like as you're saying, I mean, this is – you know, that's Von Miller out there. That's the NFL's best wrecking machine. Um. So I would, I don't know, just kind of wild guess. First quarter, you know, two or three series. Uh, maybe, you know, the thing is the Broncos might get Miller off the field real fast, too. Are we? This is the this is the dress rehearsal, Pete. This is still this still holds, right? This is the one that counts, but they're still in evaluation mode, so they have to take a look at you know the guys that they're going to want to keep because I, I would think some of those decisions are going to be made this week, and then final final decisions be made at, at the, the fourth game, right? Yeah, and truth be told, I bet that, you know, they could cut the roster now and it would be almost the same, you know, leaving out injuries almost the same as it would be, you know, in a week and a half when they play that last game. You know, it's funny, I remember, uh, I think it was last year, you remember when you asked about, you know, why don't they treat the last game as the dress rehearsal? Remember that? Yeah. I think I've, I thought through it. I still haven't asked anybody, but I thought through it, and I think I came up with probably the reason why, because I think Fisher was the only, Jeff Fisher was the only guy who did that. You know, I don't think it's the catastrophic injury that they're worried about because you're right, that could happen in the third game as easily as the fourth. But it's the, you know, it's the sprained ankle. It's the injury that just, you know, slows you down the next week where you're not quite as, you're not quite as sharp. Um, you're not quite as fast. You're sore, whatever. They just don't want those things piling up before the first game. I think they want the team kind of feeling like it just came off a bye with that kind of freshness. So, um, it only took me a year to, to figure that out, but I think that might be <laughs> But you still have 11 days between the last <laughs> exhibition game and the opener. You do, but, um, you know, with, with practice, you know, they, they'll go hard in practice with the game on Thursday. They'll go hard, you know, Monday, maybe Tuesday. So then you're talking, you know, even a couple more days. And with these guys' bodies, even a, a day or two can make a big difference. Um, and those, And it's a long season, and you start piling up weeks and weeks, and those little injuries – you know, start adding up. So I think they just want to give them that break. 
Um, I don't know. That makes sense to me. So I, I think that's probably <laughs> how go. I would do it too. But uh, hey, you can toss it out the window if you want. I'm just, uh, just throwing it out there. <laughs> You're <again>. probably right. <laughs> Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press Gazette, PackersNews.com, joins us on the Mike Heller Show. How is the? Uh, what's your view been of the guy that we're going to see tomorrow at right tackle? And that's Kyle Murphy, second-year uh, player out of Stanford. Has his uh, status within the organization grown? What's the expectation? Yeah, I, I would argue. I would think he's been the best backup O lineman in camp. I think he's played pretty well in the games. He showed a lot of improvement from last year. You know, I still wouldn't rule out that they would start looking at him at guard if they needed to, if they had an injury. You know, they were going to play him there until they signed uh, Jari Evans. They were going to have him compete for that starting job until Evans came in. You know, they signed him in March or April, whenever that was. So, um, yeah, I think uh, he's their, you know, he's their, their, their sixth guy. And I'd even give him a look at left tackle if I were them. I don't know if he can do it or not. He only played it. One year at Stanford, I think he played a lot more right tackle, but he doesn't. He looks like a right tackle, but you know, you never know till you throw the guy out there with the way Spriggs is playing. I'd give Murphy the shot. Willen, how many I should say undrafted uh, free agents could crack the roster this year? It's going to be a light year for that. Um, you know, Vogel's got a pretty good <clears throat> shot, so I think you know, I'd say he's a lot better than fifty-fifty. Um, I don't know, you know, maybe one of those defensive backs, Pipkins or, or Brown, will make it ahead of Gunter. I think there's at least a chance of that. Uh, nobody else is leaping to mind as a as a good possibility, so I I think maybe at most two. That would be my best guess. It seems like the, the rags-to-riches thing. It seems like the Packers always find those diamonds in the rough. And then my, the, my follow-up to that is, is there a chance that the Packers could grab somebody that somebody else waves? I mean that that they could they might have a guy who thinks he made the team and then gets replaced by somebody who's claimed off you know who's jettisoned by another team because I know teams are lining up and would take the Packers castoffs but would the Packers grab somebody you think if if it was an upgrade? Yeah, I mean I could be all wet here, but I wouldn't be surprised if um, the guy who ends up being their top backup guard is, is a playing for somebody else right now. They're really thin right there, you know, especially with Barkley's injury. Um, and even if he were healthy, I think they'd be looking. So I, I bet they'll be looking hard at the uh, at the waiver wire. Now there's not a ton of teams aren't cutting good players, generally speaking. So there's probably not a you know going to be many of those guys cut. But there might be somebody out there who's better than what they have on hand and that they would uh, bring in. Yeah, I think that's a real possibility. One of the very popular conversations this week is about the wide receivers. So if you if we assume that the Packers are absolutely uh, going to have on their roster Nelson, Adams, Cobb, Davis, and Allison, is that fair to start with? Those five. Yeah. Add Janice in because he's been their only kick returner so far, and they like him on special teams. So if you add Janice into the mix, that's six wide receivers. That leaves a one-year player, McCaffrey, and two rookies in Dupree and Yancey, um, on the cut line or on the practice squad line, how will that play itself out when we're talking a week from Monday? That'll be one of the most interesting ones. And, um, you know, with they have more at running back this year than last year. You know, they only kept a couple guys there at that position, so that allowed them to keep seven receivers. So I could see them going with the first six you mentioned and cutting the last three and trying to get all three of those guys in the practice squad. Um, I know, you know, people think somebody's going to pick him up, but I mean, last year, Geronimo Allison was better than any of those three guys and nobody claimed him. 
So I would, uh, I, that may be the way it goes. If they keep a seventh, I'd personally go McCaffrey. He's had a far better camp than the two rookies. Those two rookies show potential, but, you know, I don't think either one has done so much that you just, you know, you just got to keep them on the roster. Um, so I don't know which way it's going to go. I, if I were a betting man, you know, a couple weeks ago, I would have said seven, you know, kind of leaning six now, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. We'll see in a week and a half, but I, you know, McCaffrey's probably, if I were them, McCaffrey would be the guy who, who tips either way. Pete, if you had to guess, which of the guys that left, that are that were on the team last year, that aren't this year, will they miss the most? Like, if you think of a Peppers or Jones or somebody like that, who who do you think they're going to miss the most? There always seems to be one guy that gets away with I remember Cullen Jenkins, people say, oh, if only they had Cullen Jenkins. Or, you know, every time people leave Green Bay, there's people that pine for them when they're gone. Yeah, I don't think it's... Um... I don't think it's going to be Lang. Not that he's not a really good player, but I think Jari Evans sure looks to me like he's just fine and they'll, they'll be fine there. Um, maybe Peppers because their their rush still looks looks shaky to me. So I guess I'd go with him, even though uh, he's a what thirty seven year old guy or whatever. Um, and I understood why they let him go. I thought that they would have drafted higher at uh, outside linebacker than they did. So um, I guess I'd, I'd lean him. Okay. Um, and one, a uh, couple of final thoughts with you, uh, Vince Beagle. Have you has he done enough work that you think he might be in position to play in the exhibition finale? And if he doesn't, what does that uh, what does that do for him as far as his availability during the season? You know, when a guy's been out this long, the week that he comes back, especially a rookie, they just they never play those guys. So I find it really hard to believe. That he like if he practices first practice next week, I find it really hard to believe they play him on Thursday. I really even find it hard to believe that they play him in the opener. I could see that taking you know three weeks at least before they put him you know on the field and, and felt good about him being healthy. Um, he could still help him, but you know assuming he does come back next week, which is kind of what the indications are, he might. I still think it'll be you know we'll be pretty well into October before. You know, he's he's playing much and, and maybe helping him some. All right, very good. Uh Pete, uh fun plans in Denver? You don't you just don't have enough time, do you? When are you are you there now? Yeah, I just uh oh, good. I just got in a little while ago. Um yeah, I'm gonna head downtown and uh grab some dinner with friends and uh then it's uh it's a work trip for the uh, rest of the way. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> uh Pete, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Enjoy your time in Mile High and uh we'll talk to you the beginning of the week. Okay, guys, we'll see ya. All right, sounds good. Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, PackersNews.com, our Green and Gold Insider, brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison. You know, it's funny because um, when we're talking about who he'd miss and who fans might miss, nobody has talked about Micah Hyde since Micah Hyde really left, other than, you know, when he left. Yeah. If that was, Micah Hyde's uh, kind of like a Hernan Perez. He, he does a lot of different stuff. None of them outstanding. I mean, not a great player, but he does a lot of very good things, and I wonder if at some point maybe they'll miss him. I I guess the hope, Drew, is if they don't miss him, then the Packers are doing all right. Yeah, that was a a, – you're right. He's a Swiss Army knife kind of guy. He he was a good football player. It was in roles. He was the Hernan Perez, but – I kind of thought when they brought back uh, Devon House, maybe he'd be Micah Hyde 2.0 or something. But now it looks like he's going to have a more prominent role at least early. But I, I like uh, I, I liked Micah Hyde as a player. He did a lot of good things. All right, and one final thought because I'm going to touch on this uh, briefly 
in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. Did you see that the anthem protest, we talked about this as far as outrage being met with outrage. You know, when we talk about social media, there's a backlash and then there's a backlash to the backlash. I don't know if you saw this. The anthem protest is now being protested. The VFW in Strongsville, Ohio, has announced it will no longer watch Cleveland Browns games at its VFW because several of its players are refusing to stand for the anthem. Post 3345 told the world of its intentions on a sign outside its building that reads, We like our Browns. We love our flag more. Your games will no longer be shown here. God bless America. Um, you don't need a patriotic reason to not watch the Browns. They were one in fifteen <laughs> last year. You know they're horrible. Solid. They haven't won more than seven games in like the last ten years. They're terrible. <laughs> so they, they they could have put up a sign with entirely different intentions. We can't watch the Browns anymore. <laughs> they just suck. We're just tired of it. You know. Oh, that's funny. All right. You think um, about it. Packers win eleven games a year. The, the Browns win eleven games every three years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, Pilch, total. Yeah. Mike Pilch is in here. That's eleven wins total in three years. You <laughs> mean. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Every yeah. in three oh, yeah. years, it takes them three years to win eleven games. The Packers will win eleven games this year. The Browns it'll take them three years. They to haven't win 11 won games. eleven games in a season since uh, either Brian Seifer, Testaverde. Right? Yep. Ninety four. They were eleven and five. That's last time. Three winning years since nineteen ninety, baby. Well, you got that going for you. <laughs> yes, Good that's it. God. Oh, Drew, go enjoy the weekend, and we'll visit with you on Monday. How's that? That sounds great, man. You guys have a great one. All right, thank you. Drew Olson is out. That is Mike Pilts, a big-time Cleveland Browns guy. Uh, I want to ask him about those baseball suspensions. Did Major League Baseball miss the boat? And what about that VFW in Ohio? <laughs> Browns games are no longer shown there. We'll get a Clevelander's perspective, an Ohioan perspective on that uh we return the five o'clock hour is coming up next stick around this is the mike heller show they're the in crowd we're the other ones it's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from we let our color show where the numbers ain't we're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint that's who we are this is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. Hey, welcome into what is essentially now the weekend. It's a Friday, almost 5 o'clock. Man, by the time we talk on Monday, a lot will have gone down. The Green Bay Packers are going to play at Denver tomorrow night, and we expect to see Aaron Rodgers for the final time until the opener against Seattle on September the 10th. Could see him for a quarter or more tomorrow night against the Denver Broncos. So there is that, and there are a number of other very interesting characteristics to that game in Game 3 of the exhibition season. The Packers will play their final exhibition game next Thursday night at Lambeau Field, but with much less intrigue hanging there other than jobs uh, on the back end of the depth chart to be won and lost. So you've got that. Uh, Late tomorrow night, you're going to get the McGregor-Mayweather fight, which certainly will begin after 11. Their weigh-in is going to go on here momentarily. Uh, 6 o'clock Eastern time, 5 o'clock Central was the scheduled time. That will, uh, you know, they'll build up to the actual 
guys coming on stage to to strip down to their skivvies and step on the scale. Uh, but that'll happen here in just a little bit. So we get the fight going on tomorrow night. You get Brewers, Dodgers all weekend long. It is Players Weekend in Major League Baseball. Um, and that will be an interesting follow to see what the Brewers are able to do against the L.A. Dodgers this weekend. The Dodgers are something crazy like 21-1 and in home series this year. So they don't lose much. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. On, uh, on their home field, Dodger Stadium at Chavez Ravine. And so that's a little bit of that going on. They are 51-14, and are the Dodgers, at home this year. And the matchups have now been announced. We already knew that the Brewers are going with Chase Anderson, Zach Davies, and Jimmy Nelson in the weekend. They're three best pitchers back-to-back-to-back. And they go against Kenta Maeda, who will go tonight, all three right-handers for the Dodgers. A spot start tomorrow for Ross Stripling. And Hugh Darvis comes off the DL for a start, although you think it might be abbreviated or certainly on a pitch count on Sunday. So Anderson, Maeda, Davies, Stripling, and Nelson Darvish. And then keep in mind Cody Bellinger is on their DL as well. So we'll see uh, what happens. I wondered going into the road trip what the Brewers would do. We had uh, kind of the head-to-head comparison of, uh, of how the standings stacked up when this road trip began for the Brewers. They were four games over 500 and a game and a half back of the Cubs. In the time that the Brewers have gone three and three, the Cubs have gone five and two. So the Cubs have extended their lead in the division by two full games during this road trip, rather by a game and a half during the road trip. While the Brewers, uh, in relation to the Cardinals, the Cardinals are three and four in the same time frame, and the Cardinals, who were two and a half games back, of the Chicago Cubs are now four and a half games back of the Chicago Cubs, and they've also lost a half a game to the Brewers. So what could be a make-or-break road trip so far has just been a middling road road trip. You've lost a, a bit to the Cubs, but at 3-3, three and three, I don't think people were expecting the Brewers to be, you know, 6-0 um, and, and oh on the road trip this far in, or even 5-1. and 3-3 three and three is okay. It's just the fashion in which it happened would bug you a little bit. But ahead, the Brewers lost two out of three in Colorado, won two out of three in San Francisco, and they're still sitting in the same spot. We'd be just fine with it. Now they get L.A. And uh, so we'll see what happens. An off day Monday, and then the Cardinals for two, and the Washington Nationals in for four on the six-game homestand that will follow this. Mike Heller with you in studio. I welcome in Mike Pilch. He's a native Ohioan. Ohioan? Ohioan. Ohioan. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make you a Buckeyes fan? Yep. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, with the way the Browns have played, that basically is the Ohio team right now. So. Yeah. So um, let me ask you your response to. Well, you heard Drew talking about that VFW story with right. a, a VFW in Ohio, Strongville, Ohio. 
yeah. um, deciding that they uh, at the that VFW because of the Browns group protest to the anthem the last time out that uh, they say the Browns are our team, but America comes first, and the Browns games will not be shown at that VFW. I don't have a problem with it in Strongsville, which is kind of a Cleveland suburb. You know, it's funny. I got into this conversation with my dad earlier this week. I called home, and he I forget how it, the discussion came up. We were talking about a number of different things. He said, well, i got to go to, to Cleveland tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, have you been to Pittsburgh recently for whatever he does there? He's like, no. He's like, yeah, maybe I'll be a Steeler fan now. i got to find a new team to Ooh, root for. I go, That's what? It? What are you talking about? He's like, I can't root for the Browns. He's like, after what they did kneeling in protest, and this was his exact quote, he said, the Cleveland Browns are not a good enough football team to be doing this kind of stuff. You've already alienated your fan base by being awful for 30 years, and on top of it, you're now doing this. And he said, I, I've just had it with him. He goes, I'll be a Packer fan. That's actually what he said. He said, oh, that's the, a good choice. the team I root for is Ohio State, and that's who I care about. And that's kind of the way I think a lot of people have looked at things. And he likes the Packers because um, small town team that is locally owned by the fan base. And that's very appealing. And he also said, it's at the point now where you're seeing all these protests. And then I turn on football, and it's so lousy the last few years on Sundays he watches football on Saturday, college football. He could care less about the NFL right now. You know what? I, you know what I think happens with the National Football League now. It, it, you may it, there's an example. My dad doesn't watch at all. Yeah. Zero. Not even the Green Bay Packers. He doesn't watch at all. I think, and, and my dad's 81. So um, I think that the older demo has more rapidly walked away from football, and without a whole lot of issue. The NFL is, by the way, let me be precise on that. Because Not my college, dad, right. My dad will still watch and enjoys college football. He has grown alienated from the NFL, and he grew alienated before the Kaepernick and then the flag protests were going on, the anthem protests. I think his alienation came from a sum of the money, although you can't do that because then you'd have to walk away from all pro sports because NFL or money, movies or anything else. And, yeah, and, and, yeah, NFL money is not out of control uh, in comparison uh, to the other sports. But I think it's I think it's the excessive violence. I think it's some lack of fundamentals that yeah. go along with the excessive violence. Because remember now, when we talk about this, and I'm not in this camp. I'm speaking for some in that camp. When you see a hit like we were talking about earlier this week and in the last couple of weeks um, that uh, sidelined Yancey, right? In, or Dupree. Malachi Dupree, you Dupree, mean. Yeah. That's the one that received no fine. No, no suspension, no fine. That's the one that I look at in the game that I go, that stuff's got to stop. In There's college, he would have been ejected. Yep. Zero fundamental in that hit. Yeah, true. He the, just the went only, after right. The yeah. only fundamental in that hit is his explosion into, into the ball carrier, yes. which was a receiver. Um, that explosion is taught. He didn't get low and wrap and all that uh, stuff. There, there were no arms at all. Correct. The, his arms were at his side. That's And I think those things are what has driven, and I think it does it consistently, it drives the older generation away from the game. And I think older people turn away from the National Football League at a higher level than they do from college or certainly high school. The older yeah. you get, the more inclined you're going to be to switch your allegiance. Uh, allegiance. And I'm talking about post-60. 
uh, your allegiance may go to college and then it may go to high school. Um, I would agree. I think I know a lot of people that this is kind of off the subject that as they get older, 35 and over even, they lose interest in the NBA, I've noticed, too. Um, it's a very young person sport, but as you get older, some of the shenanigans and stuff that goes on, people kind of get away from the NBA the older they get. With college, my dad, and I said to my dad, I'm like, okay, there's no rule saying you have to stand and abide by that. He goes, no, there isn't, and you do have the right to do that. But, you know, if you work for another company and you represent somebody, there are prices to pay if you do that stuff. And if I'm the Cleveland Browns, I don't re-sign any player that did that. And I said, well, what if he's a, a superstar player? What if he had a Tom Brady? He goes, Mike, Mike, Mike. This is the Browns. There are no superstar players on the Browns. I didn't Joe mention Thomas. Joe Thomas. I didn't mention Joe Thomas, who's blessed to be the first offensive lineman in NFL history today, by the way. Did you see that? They put a graphic up during the last Brown game saying yeah. Joe Thomas' first offensive lineman in NFL history. See, and he's run with that. I just there was part two to it. I saw no. his tweet on it. I was, it's I hilarious. It was and he, he's just running with it. I think it's hilarious. Um but he gets sick and tired of it. He doesn't like the showboating you see all the time. And I've said this before, unless it's the top six to eight teams in the NFL, like you've got the Packers and the Seahawks playing each other, or the Patriots and the Falcons, the average game not involving those teams, even a couple 10 and 6 playoff teams, say Houston and Miami, it's boring. You fall asleep. Well, it's it's just not rough very good to football. watch. It's I not. The, I think the discrepancy, the gap between teams that are very good and thus also have a very good quarterback, uh, I think the not a gap lot of good between those and everybody else makes that hard to watch. Well, So when you watch, when you get to watch a game that features Tom Brady or Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers or, you know, what Dallas was able to do with Dak Prescott, or to a certain extent, in a different way, Russell Wilson. Uh, if you name your top eight quarterbacks, Derek Carr was in that, mm -hmm. I think. You take out the top eight to ten quarterbacks in the NFL that coincide with the top eight to ten best teams, then everything after that, especially if they're playing one another, it's hard to watch. I don't... I don't yeah, watch it, it for the most part. I mean, I'll pay attention if I've got a fantasy player That's going. That's what people but do. I don't watch um, Cincinnati-Cleveland. No, it's brutal. You know, I don't watch. I think that Marcus Mariota makes Tennessee more engageable. Jameis Winston. There's yeah, some young Winston quarterbacks the on the one. rise. Yeah, but it's been. I love Houston's defense. If but they I had one more playmaker and a quarterback, they'd be a great team. Yeah, I can't watch their offense because I think they have receivers. And they've had a running game, but they've got no quarterback. They dink and, and dunk. They have, and yeah, and it's really hard to watch a team that doesn't have somebody at the quarterback position. I was going to say Phillip Rivers could be a bit of a caveat to that a little Last bit, too. Last year's Denver, hard to watch they because were tough they to were watch. terrible at the quarterback position. Uh, teams Kansas with, City is average. But they're tough to watch. Tough they're boring. To watch because they're below average quarterback. Well, maybe they are average quarterback, but if they're average, they're right on the average. You know, and They're just blah to watch. And... I got to be honest with you, and I'm this way too. I love college football. I will watch college football from 11 a.m. to the late Pac-12 game. Play going on there. Too. I understand, but I I can watch it more. And I think part of it is the atmosphere. You get the band, you get the kids, you get loud stadiums. It's yeah. fun. To me, college football is the definition of fun. There's not a lot of fun in the NFL. You watch college football all day Saturday. You're in it. You turn on the early game Sunday in the NFL. You're like, uh, I, I, I got to run get some groceries now or something yeah and there's also a uh the the perception is reality on this uh especially when we're talking about the nba 
is that the perception equaling reality means that every play in a college basketball game, it seems like every possession matters. Yeah, there are more and intensity. And there are giveaway possessions yeah. in the NBA. And then there are big rallies. And when a team's in a rally, they play both end, ends of the court at a high level. But yeah. that doesn't get matched very often. Yeah, in a regular season NBA game, a it's game brutal. in January, oh, yeah. you, can, you can perceive the lack of full effort in the first and second, early second, and then in the third to midway through the fourth quarter. You perceive it. That doesn't typically happen in a matchup in college basketball that's relatively even. Now, if the matchup is is bad, you know, if a good Wisconsin team is playing a bad Illinois team, sure, uh, it it gets other than having a Wisconsin rooting interest, it gets pretty ugly because Illinois is just not in a good spot. But Duke and Carolina play each other, and every possession every is huge, possession and the matters. crowd is so loud in those games. You see, a game of Cameron Indoor, it's insane. Yeah, and I think that adds to the experience of watching it and all that. It adds to the fun factor that I'm kind of talking about a little bit. So uh, the first fighter to make his way into the arena for the weigh-in is Conor McGregor. Uh, he is going to weigh in first, wearing the Irish flag, wearing flip-down sunglasses. And uh, larger-than-normal glasses underneath those, which make him look um, a little Eric Sogardish. How much do you think he uh, the tattoos add to his weight? You think he'd lose thirty pounds if he took there's, the tattoos there's, off? There is some weight in ink. Yeah, uh, where McGregor is concerned, uh, making his way in very slowly. Big crowd. He looks in like a the way dork. In. He does look dork. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just the best way to say put that it. to him. <laughs> well, shit. tell him he'd laugh at me. He'd be like, "You're funny, uh, man." <laughs> maybe he'd laugh until unless, you, unless you said it. Of course, again. he's an Irishman. I don't know, man. Mm, those guys are—you stay away from those guys. Eight seven 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 two nine ten seventy. Major League Baseball handing down fines and suspensions from yesterday's Tigers Yankees bean brawl game, and there's a couple of notable surprises. We'll detail some of that and talk through it. Also, talk more of Brewers, Dodgers, and I'll update the Twitter poll question, which takes us back to the National Football League. All that coming your way, coming up next on The Mike Heller Show. So the weigh-in is now complete. The fighters have weighed in in Las Vegas. Floyd, Money, Mayweather at 149 and one-half pounds. Conor McGregor at 153. It's a 154 limit, so uh, McGregor is uh, just a pound under that. That's all that matters today. Now they'll rehydrate, and not a whole lot of body fat on either one of these that weigh in, and for the 12-round junior middleweight bout tomorrow night in Las Vegas, it will start sometime after 11 is the expectation, and there is an anticipation for this one that has grown. It is a circus, uh, and I get that. And I freely admit that for a long time, I just thought it is just a circus. And I have a feeling it will be. But that being said, um, I've bought in on the Barnum and Bailey concept here. Uh, it, it intrigues me enough to want to see it. I don't know if I will see it live, but it intrigues me enough to want to see it. And it goes down tomorrow night. We will talk more about it, obviously, after the weekend is done. Uh, I do expect that I don't trust the result. The only result I would trust is if Mayweather dominates the fight as I would expect, um, that would fall in line. If anything else happens, of which I think there is a you know a fair chance that something crazy, a headbutt, 
By the way, as I understand it, a headbutt within the first four rounds results in a draw. After four rounds, it would go to the cards. Correct. And whoever yes. was leading at that point. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a crazy end to this, um, but we, we'll, we'll pay attention late, late tomorrow night. Can you trust results of a sporting event any less than you do in boxing no, sometimes? No, I mean, anytime, I always feel the same way. Anytime there is judgment involved yeah. and it goes to scorecards, so that would go with gymnastics, you know, gymnastics figure skating, figure skating yeah. uh, boxing when it goes to the scorecards. Uh, no, I never trust it. Uh, so here's the result of yesterday's discipline from the Tigers-Yankees brawl. Um, it, it is... I suppose the biggest issue is that there is um, some inconsistency in it. Miguel Cabrera, seven games for inciting the first bench-clearing incident and for fighting. Yankees catcher Gary Sanchez, four games for fighting, including throwing punches. No mention in there about the cheap shots he took in fights he wasn't in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tigers pitcher Alex Wilson, four-game suspension for intentionally throwing at Todd Frazier. Of the Yankees, while warnings were in place, Yankees catcher Austin Romine for his fight with Cabrera, two games for fighting, including throwing punches. Tigers manager Brad Ausmus in relation to the um, Alex Wilson hit by pitch situation, he gets a one-game suspension for intentional actions of Wilson while warnings were in place. Here's the deal: no Dylan Batances in it who hit a yeah. Tigers player in the helmet with a 98-mile-an-hour mile fastball. And Miguel Cabrera is not happy that Gary Sanchez, who cheap-shotted two other fights he wasn't in, only got four games. I don't know if Major League Baseball could find him for cheap-shotting, but I would think he does have a bit of a target oh, yeah. on him now in Major League Baseball because others won't like that he jumped into fights he wasn't in and threw sucker punches as well. He will get re- retaliated upon i don't know if another team does it because they're going to say you had nothing to do with that fight mind your own business but you're right in the culture of major league baseball that is frowned upon i don't know if the yankees and tigers play again this year they don't they don't play this year. so that can't be settled till spring training and it could be settled in spring training that's not out of the question or during next year but something will happen to gary sanchez along the line yeah and probably not just once it'll probably be multiple times John had asked the question a few times uh, yesterday and then today again as to whether baseball needs to do something about what happened yesterday other than the fines and suspensions. Do they, you know, minor league baseball, you can't leave the bench. Correct. So there are very few fights because a hitter is not going to charge the mound uh, if he has no support. Um, Would you like to, do you think baseball has an issue? I don't think it's an issue because it doesn't happen a lot. If it happened all the time and it was more of an epidemic, you'd have an issue. That's part of baseball. The issue I had with yesterday's fight is it got childish, where it's like, okay, you hit our guy, we hit your guy, we're even. But instead of remaining even, they just kept going back and forth for hitting the next guy. And it's like they lost track of who was even and who was ahead and who was down. I mean, it was absurd. I mean, that was it was at the point where it's a little childish. Stuff like that happens, and I don't know if they ever, I don't know if Romine ever said what Cabrera said to him. But Cabrera got thrown behind by a guy throwing in the mid-90s. Then Chapman, who throws a, a zillion miles an hour, comes in. My guess is it was something to the effect of, if he throws at me, I'm either coming after him or well, I'm going after you or that's something. What I, that's what I said yesterday. My anticipation of that conversation was from Cabrera to Romine. If he comes inside Something's at me, happening. I'm yeah. coming to you. 
I'm not going been. to get him. I'm going to turn and get you. That's not uh, the way Cabrera explained it today. Cabrera said he wanted to talk to Romine, and Romine said, I'm not blanking talking to you. Happens. And Cabrera said something again, and and he got another one of those. So I, I don't know. There's more going on than that. I'm uh, sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I but don't know. But tensions were already running high. But it, Here's the other thing that I that I thought about with that um, is uh, – is I could only determine my feel, and I've watched a lot of baseball, my feel is that the only two pitches that I could determine were with intent mm-hmm. were Todd Fr- With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Frazier being Bean. That was the last one. Yes. And the pitch behind Cabrera. Well, Because um, I don't think Sanchez... Sanchez has been white hot. A lot of home runs. Sanchez is on the plate a little bit anyway. He's right And if on he's it, yeah. hit a bunch of home runs... Then, as a pitcher, you want to get him off the plate or get him uncomfortable. Doesn't mean you're trying to hit him, but you're not going to worry too much about getting inside. There's a difference, and you know this. There's a difference between trying to get somebody uncomfortable and mm. intentionally hitting them. Night and day difference. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think Sanchez got hit on purpose. That, uh, I no, I would agree with that. I, it I might think, have been, but I couldn't determine that from the outside looking in. Only one person knows. McCann's that. the one that got hit by Batensis, right? Yeah, and okay. I'm not sure that that was. I think that just got away from him, actually. I think he maybe wanted to come in. I think that ball got away, and it just happened to hit him in the head in a game where tensions were high. That was kind of, I think, bad luck, if you want to call it that, for Batensis, I don't think. But they had to eject him because of the way the game was going, but I don't think there was actually intent in that. No, I was thinking the guy, Wilson hit a guy, didn't he? Who'd Wilson hit? Alex Wilson got the four. He th- he's the one who threw at Frazier. Okay, he's the, the one that threw the Frazier. That thought. was the obvious one, yes. That was the one where it was painfully obvious that there was something going on. Yeah, I yeah, would agree. Uh, Yankees pitcher Tommy Canely and Tiger shortstop Jose Iglesias um, also were fined, along with Girardi and Rob Thompson. Robbie um, Thompson went nuts. Yeah. And he's a pretty low-key guy. Yeah, and then uh, two other members of the Yankees uh, were fined for going out on the field because they're on the DL. What you could do is you could tell the bullpens, don't come in to save the day like you're Wyatt Earp. You could impose massive fines. It was fun fines. to watch them sprint in, though. Um, well, it was like the, the 300, the Battle of 300, the, the Battle of Thermopylae. You know, here comes the Calvary. We're bringing it in to win the fight. You know, that's kind of what it looks like. But you could impose some heavy fines. And when you talk about the minor leagues, minor leaguers have more to lose if they do something like that because those guys are... Re- if those guys have urine that's blue, the major league club wants to know about it. Yeah. Everything they do on and off the field gets reported on, so teams know what they're dealing Why would with. Somebody have blue urine. Well, I'm giving it as a random just example. Wondering. I'm just saying, you know, uh, <laughs> drank too much blue Gatorade or something, right. or maybe okay. you're cold blooded right. and not that's, human. Maybe they're an alien. No more. Just was curious. What but you were the point is, there's more to lose in the minor leagues, even if you're a stud prospect. So it's easier to impose those kind of restrictions in the minor leagues once you're in the big leagues, you're in the big leagues. That stuff doesn't matter as much. So I think 
um, the best way to do that. What is it? The NFL, if you're late for a meeting, you're fined like sixteen grand for every minute you're late or something. I mean, you have to put a massive fine on them yeah, like that right, in right, order to, to, I think, stop it from blowing up to that point. I think you're Ken always going to have guys hitting guys. Yeah, Ken Rosenthal just uh, tweeted out, appeals by Sanchez Romai might not resolve before the rosters expand on September the 1st, which is an advantage to the Yankees because uh, that allows you a, a much deeper bench. Uh, but although, you know, if you're going to lose Sanchez for four games. And the Yankees are right in the middle of the playoff race. That's significant. Yeah. That's they why it was a wild big card spot now. They're the first in the American League in the wild card race. Uh, but trying to catch Boston in the American right. League East is a different story. Also, Major League Baseball this weekend going to a players weekend. Different uniforms, nicknames on the back of the uniforms, shoes of their choosing, different colored bats. Woo! Joel Finkelman of one who says, why can't they do this all the time? I knew he'd love it. Uh, you knew he would. Talk more about that as well. When we come back, this is the Mike Heller Show. Major League Baseball this weekend has gone to a player's weekend. There's a beneficiary of this, and that's uh, Children's Charities, I believe, in Major League Baseball. Uh, In that, there are nicknames on the backs of the uniforms. Now, in a couple of cases, like with the New York Yankees, it'll be the first time in Yankees history that players have had names, even if they're just nicknames, on the back of a Yankees uniform. So that's never happened before. Also, the the color scheme is going to be different. The Brewers are very dark navy and gold, and then there are player patches on one of their shoulders that are of their own choosing, in which they can honor family member or an organization um, that they've got a player patch on one shoulder, one sleeve. They've got a nickname on the back, and they get to wear shoes of their own, you know, rather wild coloring. I just saw Eric Sogard's. And then uh, they also, the, their bats will be colored, like they were for the, uh, the Cardinals game at, uh, the, at Williamsport last weekend, in which uh, that Major League game played there uh, included bats of all different colors. Same wood, but uh, all different colors, which they only typically have allowed on um, breast cancer awareness or Mother's Day weekend. So now we'll, we'll see that all weekend. Uh, guy that you spend a lot of time with doing uh, big sports and other things, uh, Joel Finkelman. Mm-hmm. He likes it, mm-hmm. Mike Pilch. He likes it. He, he said, can we please allow the bats all year? The bats? You know, I got to tell you, I, I just saw Eric Sogard's jersey. <laughs> Do you know what his name is? Uh, yeah, well, he's he's nerd power. Nerd power. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> That's hilarious to actually Zach be a Davies major is, leaguer and wear yeah. that on your back. Zach Davies is Bat Boy because he looks, <laughs> he like, looks like a Bat Boy. Yeah. yeah, he looks like he's 13 years old. Right. I think it's cool. I mean, the bottom line is, don't you got to keep the younger crowd involved and keep their attention span there? That's what this is about, isn't it? I be guess hip, so. be cool, and you've got to do that stuff. You've so, got to, especially in a world where... My two-and-a-half-year-old nephew can't do something for more than 10 seconds straight before doing the next thing because nobody's got a, an attention span anymore. So here is the Brewers lineup tonight against the Los Angeles Dodgers. They will lead off with Eric Sangnamja Thames. Okay. Eric Sangnamja Thames. Yeah. Uh, batting second is Neil Walkie Walker. Yeah. 
Batting third is Ryan Ocho Braun. We'll just call him the Ocho. The Ocho. Uh, batting fourth is Travis Mayor DDC. Mayor, Mayor Ding, Ding Dong, Dong City. City. Yeah. Travis Shaw bats fourth. Shomingo Santana. I like that. Shomingo Santana bats fifth. I believe in Stephen Vogt will catch tonight and bat sixth. Keon Flaboy Broxton. Hmm. And then Orlando El Nino Arcia, because the kid, the English version of that, is Robin Yount. Orlando El Nino Arcia. And if he becomes a real terror defensively and offensively, you'll just call him El Nino. Yeah. He's the El Nino getting after you. And Chase Texas Anderson bats ninth and pitches tonight for the I Brewers. I like that. I do. That's fun, isn't it? Adds a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so. And a different looking logo for the Brewers. A uh, you know that uh, it, it's the big M, but it has a blue wheat chaff underneath. And then for the Dodgers, it's not the uh, normal Dodger script LA. It's a scripted D. Yeah. So it, it should it'll be a different look tonight and all weekend long. But they're doing it for the right reasons. They're also doing it for promotional reasons, which I get in Major League Baseball. Um and, and so I'm all in favor of this. Do, do you have any issue? I mean, like with the Yankees, uh, John had said earlier, as a Yankees fan, and he's not, but he's he was trying to put himself in that position. Yeah. Would you like it? It's never Ooh. happened before. Not I, I can't of, uh, even Yankees pretend to put myself in the shoes of a fan of they who must not be named. I can't do that. <laughs> I so I, I can't even go there. I don't have a problem with it. I doubt the younger fans of they who must not be named care. I mean, why would they care about that? And they're going to be like, whatever. I get to see their names. I get to see their nicknames, what guys call them at the clubhouse. That's kind of cool. I don't think the, I, again, I don't think anybody under the age of 50 would care. I really don't. Yeah, I, it uh, doesn't bother me, and I'm just over the age of 50. So uh, I, I'm in favor of this. I think it, it will work out. I haven't seen the bats yet, though. The different the bats, colored bats. Those don't bother me. I mean, I, I, just I don't mind them, them on Mother's Day weekend. Or no, Easter I like that, actually. Breast cancer awareness. I don't mind when they go that way, so that won't bother me. And I, it didn't bother me last weekend when they had them in the, that Sunday night game at Williamsport. You know what it reminds me of? It's like for years in Star Wars, lightsabers were either green, blue, or red, and then the horrible sequels came along, and they were like 1,200 different colors. So now bats, instead of being white or flared or black or white and black, can now be all kinds of different colors. Hmm. It's like the same thing. Except... Different. What was that movie? You're about? <laughs> well, I, the Star Wars. Oh, you know, it, they used to that. be green or blue lightsabers for the Alliance, for okay. the Rebels, and uh-huh. then the Sith always had red. And then in the horrible prequels, they made oh, them like all kinds goodness, of different colors. What are you doing here? So it's like instead of white or flared or black or some See, combination the thereof, you've got different when, color bats when I now. Check out earlier. I'm I'm away, and you and John can yes. take the show down whatever path. <laughs> but if I'm in studio, you cannot take the show down a Star well, Wars not, path. That's what it made me think of. Well, okay, so you could have said that after we left the air okay um i, I want to update our poll question as well and and get your thoughts on this right. entering the 2017 NF- nfl season which coach is the best coach in the nfc all right so i took the afc out of play which takes tomlin and belichick and andy reed and harbaugh out of the equation so which is the best head coach in the nfc entering this year I put no other parameters on it. Is it Pete Carroll? Is it Dan Quinn? Is it Mike McCarthy? Is it Sean Payton? Mm, It's got to be Carroll or McCarthy. I might go... 
I think I got to go with Coach Mack. I do. Um, I can't go with Dan Quinn because he hasn't done it for as long, and he blew a huge lead in a Super Bowl. And I think a lot of his legacy will be how Atlanta, what kind of a year they have this year, how they come back. No doubt. That'll have a lot to do with Dan Quinn. Uh, who's the fourth one yet on there? Sean Payton. Payton, he had the one good year. They have a great offense. They never have a good defense. That's like a Big 12 team, with the exception of the yeah. one one year with Greg Williams. He just hasn't put the hole together. See, I would Pete vote Carroll. Uh, had I, I, the, the, I would have voted Carroll. Yeah, I, 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 thinking about it, but you have to include the early. Well, I guess maybe. Yeah, you kind of have to include even, the early part of his just career. Compare his Seattle numbers to McCarthy's Green Bay numbers. McCarthy has a better winning percentage. The only gap that favors Carroll in that regard is that he's been in another Super Bowl. Right. He's one and one, and he beat the Packers head to head to get to that. Well, he beat the Packers. He did. He also had the better team that year. I know the Packers had the lead late, but the, the Seahawks were the better team going into that. Yes. But don't you have to factor in Carroll's early years with the Jets there, too? Well, yeah. I mean, no. I mean, when I he was just horrible? Said, I just said entering this year. It's a tough call between the, the two. I would go NFC. with Mac. I mean, I would. I, he's never had really a poor season ever in, on his ledger. I'd about, have to go there. Uh, about 300 votes uh, in on this, uh, just as a baseline for how we get the season started. And Mike McCarthy gets 62% of them. Oh, wow. Uh, but that is a, you know, obviously it's a Wisconsin uh, That still surprises me it's that high. Yeah, because he does have a bunch of detractors. Yeah. I, never, I never understood it, and I defend him in that regard because I think he's uh, I think he is the best coach in the NFC. And Pete Carroll gets 26% of the vote. Dan Quinn and Sean Payton uh, split the other 12%. Um, so, I, you know, and I think that's appropriate. I think Mike McCarthy, he gets a lot of flack here, uh, which I typically think is unfair. The Packers have almost never... Not one because of what McCarthy and the offense have done. Many times when they have failed, I think it's been personnel failures uh, that have cost them, and he doesn't get to buy those groceries. You know, I mean, that's that's been my issue. And I think that certainly with all coaches, Mike McCarthy has had bad moments. Bill Belichick has Bill had, bad moments. had bad moments. Belichick's yeah. maybe his worst moment that he got a mulligan on is when Seattle uh, – through the interception of the goal line. Uh-huh. Because the clock management prior to that was terrible yes, by was. Belichick. And he got away with it because Seattle made a big mistake. He got away with an entire Super Bowl win on his ledger, quite frankly, in that. Because, let's face it, Seattle should have won the game. Yeah. So um, every coach is going to have those moments in which they get second and third and, and fourth guest on why did you not do this and why did you do that. Uh, so I get that and understand that McCarthy, I think it's too much of that. And, uh, and I think that is uh, Aaron Rodgers' fault because Aaron Rodgers is so good that everybody expects that when the Packers lose, it's nobody's fault but the, but the coach because the quarterback's too good. How can you possibly lose? Well, that opens up the... Well, that opens up a whole other can of of worms with with the the whole quarterback thing and all that. And And it opens up the question about, listen, the game is not played on half the field. Uh, You know, the the Packers' defense, which, of course, is the head coach McCarthy is responsible for as well. But I would argue that defensively, the personnel overall just hadn't been good enough very often. Well, you've talked about that ad nauseum. 
Thompson versus McCarthy, whose fault is, and you don't need to get into that again. But no. you're you're Although only we will. Well, I know that, but <laughs> not right now. Again. Yeah. But uh, you're only dealt with the hands you're. You can only play with the hands you're dealt. Though, I think the question of why Dom Capers is still there is a fair one. I do. Yeah, by the way, do you know what tomorrow is? Saturday. T- tomorrow is the opening of the college football season. I did season. know that, yes. Stanford and Rice will play in Sydney, Australia, I believe. South Florida and San Jose State also play tomorrow. And then six nights from tonight, Tulsa and Oklahoma State, and a lot of people are high on Oklahoma State, Yeah, along with Ohio State, Indiana, the Big Ten opener, yep. a Big Ten game played in the month of August. Ohio State at Indiana. Which I think is a trap game for Ohio State because I think in college where, first of all, Indiana doesn't get blown out at home ever lately. They're always tough at home. And I think in college where you don't play preseason games and guys, they're not in the rhythm of the season and you've got new guys coming in, it's easier to beat the real good teams those first two weeks. And that, that I think, is a very dangerous game right out of the chute for Ohio State. One week from tonight, Utah State at Wisconsin with an 8 o'clock kick in that one. And probably the game, uh, among the games that people are most interested in in the opening weekend next weekend, Florida State, yep. Alabama yep. on Saturday night at 7. The Sunday game is West Virginia, Virginia Tech. Yep. The Monday game on September the 4th on Labor Day night is Tennessee and Georgia Tech. And uh, I'm not positive if that opens Mercedes-Benz Stadium or not. Or Ooh, if that's a good question. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, college football By the way, Minnesota plays Thursday as well. They play unranked, but they play Buffalo. So okay. Minnesota actually right. opens uh, that night also. Rutgers and Washington play Friday along with Wisconsin. They could get ugly. Yeah, but, I, uh, I was. Uh, I, I guess I was looking at just uh, scores and schedule top twenty-five ranked. Yeah, teams top twenty-five. The but there, there's another team that'll open, and then um, Michigan opens Michigan at Florida, Florida that first week. On that yeah, opening uh, day uh, on next Saturday afternoon. That's a two thirty kick as well. So there is some fun to be had with college football kicking it off. Uh, tomorrow in a couple of stadiums, top 25 uh, teams involved on a couple of places. And then uh, next weekend, obviously, uh, next Thursday night, we'll really get it started, and the Badgers will play next Friday night. So all of that going on and stuff that we uh, we look forward to. Packers in Denver tomorrow night, and you should, and Pete Doherty joined us earlier, you should expect to see Aaron Rodgers for maybe at least a quarter. Uh, two to three series. If he had a, a an extended series, like they did at Washington, maybe it's then just two. But if they're, how much uh, do you want to see him play? I, that's fine by me. That's I'm, it. I'm okay, okay with that. Yeah, I don't need more from him. But I, I I've been a proponent for him to play a little bit in the preseason. More I think anyway, not yeah. for him necessarily. For the timing of the offense, but for everybody else that works around him, because Aaron Rodgers plays it differently. Uh, when it's live action. And Martellus Bennett found that out a week ago. The ball comes out faster. There is a, a different tempo, a different cadence, and I think those things are important for players around him, including new offensive linemen and new tight ends and new running backs to kind of get that figured out. So I think that will come in handy tomorrow night as well. Big fight tomorrow night. Brewers-Dodgers all weekend long, beginning tonight in Los Angeles. That game time is set for 9-10 this evening. That's first pitch at Dodger Stadium, Chavez Ravine. Brewers have a favorable pitching matchup in that series. They got 
a spot starter Saturday and then a guy who's just kind of eh on Sunday. Yeah. So And the Brewers send their three best in Chase yes. Anderson, Zach Davies, and Jimmy Nelson over the weekend. Should be fun to watch. Dodgers are great at home, 51-14. and 14. My goodness. All That's right, we'll uh, hope you all have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday after 2 on the Mike Heller Show. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.